Donald Trump won 51% vote. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida got 21%. Nikki Haley got 19%. In other words, Donald Trump won decisively. At this point, it's hard to see how he's not the Republican nominee because he didn't just win last night. He triumphed overwhelmingly by a historic margin. It's laughable that you would, or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. It's equally, standing up for it. It's, it's, it's equally laughable to use the word dictatorship at Davos and, and aim that at President Trump. New England fishermen especially are the most regulated fishermen in the world. But you, the U.S. consumer, are buying product from nations that do not abide by those regulations. And at the same time, we're getting killed for the sake of going green, but nobody else is. camera and smiling mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> there I am. hey guys so professional welcome back to resistance chicks we're your hosts leah and michelle it's friday january 19th 2024 and we're gonna bring you this week's headline news we actually if you were looking for like where were you on friday and i didn't find you they sent us an email that we didn't get and so we had prepared a whole show for Brighton, which you're going to get on the last half of tonight's show right here because it's the uncensorable mm. news that we have to play. So we won't be on Facebook for that. Mm. Um, so Leah's got a whole show prepped for us for the second half as well of, as the first half. Starting with, or I don't know what you're going to start with, but right off the bat, my thinking is, you know, we had some snow last night. We did. Finally. We had three inches. It's the first bit of snow. But we've had some really frigid cold temperatures. Mm. That should historically have had snow, mm. but they didn't have any snow. Where was all the snow? Leah. The snow was everywhere else. Leah, you got this. Go Where ahead. Where was the snow? This is like when you do it Iowa. to me. Thank you. Look at that. The snow was in Iowa, and I'm not saying that anyone sent the snow there. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's convenient that everybody had cold temperatures, but only in Iowa, not only in Iowa, but a lot of it was in Iowa. I'm actually, I had a whole show on Bridie on TV, and I cannot mute my computer, I don't know why. Um, I had a whole show on Bridie on TV about how actually they did send cold to Iowa. They sent cold. And it's so. weather manipulation, but I don't believe that I can say all of that on uh, Facebook. So, so that's we'll going to have to be. So you do have it as a whole story? It's a whole story. I didn't even know it. I, I didn't even know it. That that was going to be a story because I hadn't looked see? at them yet. No, I didn't. You, have, you downloaded it. It said in China's using climate. I didn't download Dane it. Wigington. Oh, I did. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's one of the videos I got set up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so Dane Wigington. What I mean is, it. I have very ardently studied tonight's show, and I knew exactly what Leah was going to talk about with the weather, and I was leading up to it on purpose. So Dane Wigington, and you can actually bring this up, and we can talk about this a little bit. Um, he has YouTube, so I guess I could probably play it. I want you to see this map of the cold temperatures 
as they are reflecting on uh, the United States. If this doesn't spell weather manipulation, I don't know what does. So you've got a, a 40 degree switch from average temperatures mm -hmm. right here in the middle of America, right there in Iowa. The powers that be, so North Korea just said that they have the ability to create a nuclear tsunami. Mm -hmm. They can do stuff in the weather with the with the ocean. I'm Fake trying to explain away why it's literally the United States. I still have these wrong screen shares. Hang on. I have to use this other one. So here we go. There we go. And these temperatures are just so cold it's and so Matt, colorful. It's kind of pretty. So that's one. Uh, that Those are the, the 40 degrees difference. Okay, that's the 40 degree mm -hmm. difference. The one I want to show you is the actual temperatures here. So this, this one right here? Yeah, with the with the with these cold temperatures, I want you if you, I don't know if you guys can can zoom in on your own phone or or laptop or whatever, but you're looking at northern Kansas and upper no. um just tell them upper what it says. uh Missouri at a actual temperature it's really tiny. of negative 18. Wow. Okay, actual temperature negative 18. That's uh, in uh, Missouri, okay? I'm trying to get mine. Mine won't. Mine okay, won't everybody's asking about the Bright End Show. I thought we addressed it. I'm going to address it one more time. They shut down their studios today. Mm -hmm. We didn't know about it, mm -hmm. okay? Um, so, yes, it would have been a rerun if they did play anything. I don't know what they played. They played a rerun. Did they? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, yes, Brighton would have been a rerun because they shut down the studios because of the snow and they were having power outages and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, so we had all the show prepared. We're going to do it. In the last half of tonight's show, we're doing it. We're, it looks like I'm intermixing it. Okay, <laughs> she's mixing it up a little because this was part of my Brideon show. Because I really like on Brideon. If you guys don't know, uh, on our Brideon show at six o'clock, uh, those are things that I really go uncensored with. And if you guys want to see some of the, you know, more um, Alex Jones clips or Mike Adams, uh, some of the weather manipulation things, a lot of things on J six, I go full bore, no censorship. It's really freeing on, on Bright End. I absolutely love it. When we do the rest of our show, we do part of it on Facebook. Why? Because people are there. And so I try to get as much of the show in on Facebook before we switch to Rumble. And I miss some of the deeper stuff, uh, some of the uncensorable stuff that I would really like to, to bring you guys here for time, because of time constraints. This story is uh, one of those stories that I would have done on the Bright End show just because uh, Mike um, is so good when it comes to uh, the climate and the cra climate craziness. But if you're looking at these temperatures, um, and I do want you guys, I want this to be up there. I want you guys to look at these temperatures. So uh, these are these are the lows, but this is not wind chill, okay? So here in Cincinnati, we're in that purple area. It's around, uh, going to be around 7 degrees. The reason we're not doing the uh, revival tomorrow is because those temperatures are just too cold. They're not, they're unnaturally cold, mm. okay? So you've got where we would be in Indiana, two and three degrees, one degree. You know, with wind chills, you're going to be well below zero. So Chris says, this week was the first time I have experienced my nose hairs freezing. Ah. You know what I keep wanting to try? We're going to have these cold temperatures, right? Mm -hmm. When? Tomorrow night? This morning. This morning. This Tomorrow morning. morning. Yeah. So so bright and early Saturday morning, it's going to be real. It's going to be cold. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do, I'm, I'm doing this. You hold me to this. I'm literally doing this. I'm glad that you're looking at my hair because it does involve my hair. Okay. I've seen people do this. You ready? So you take a shower. Mm -hmm. Your hair is soaking wet. You go outside and you bend over. Okay. You bend over. I would have to stand on something. You bend over 
and your hair freezes. And then you stand up. No, I've seen this. It's some of the greatest photos on the internet. Okay. Okay, so tomorrow morning. Did you think yours was? <laughs> so tomorrow morning. Okay. Shower. Okay. Cold hair. Okay. Wet hair, I mean. You go outside. It would be better if we did it together, but I'm not going to throw you on to, to commit to this. You, then you, you bend over with your, cold, with your wet hair and you hold it there and, and it freezes however fast it takes to freeze. I mean, you're allowed to be like, you could be bundled up. It's not like you have to be out there like half naked. It's not like a polar plunge, although cold on your head. I think you would have to be prepared to then go get in the shower again to unfreeze it real quick or you get like brain freeze, you know. But I've seen people do this and I, I've been. I don't know if it's a good idea, I think but we, okay. I want to try it. I want to okay. try it. So well, if tomorrow's going to. And you know what else I saw? What? And this is genius. My friend Catherine sent this to me and I was like, oh my gosh. KitchenAid mixer. Ice cream mix. Set that puppy outside. Boom. Ice cream. Really? Come on. Why not? Why not? If your KitchenAid will run at one degree, you run that puppy outside and you just be making ice cream in the cold. Okay. Genius. Okay. Come on. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to be freezing our heads. We're going to get brain freeze twice okay. from the ice cream. And a frozen hair. Okay. We're doing it. Okay. Although I'm kind of scared. You know why? Why? Because I, I also know what's going to happen later in the day. I'm prepared for this. You can't. Leah. Because they um they ran their four-wheeler all through the oh, hill. No. There's no sledding. You're kidding. Mm -mm. Matt bought you a sled. I know he did. I know. They We have neighbors with a really great sledding hill, and they, ran their, they just spent all day running their four-wheeler in it. It's all bumpy and no snow left. Don't they know that the whole neighborhood kids sled down that hill? I don't know. And adults? I don't know. There's a little thing you don't know about Leah, and then we'll get on to more news here, but this is kind of important. Leah is um, a giant child. An adult child, I should say. I'm not saying you're a giant person, but you are an adult child. Every time there's anything fun to do, you're trying to do it. You, we go sled riding because of you, right? Water park. We go to yeah, the water parks because everybody likes standing around naked looking at other. I don't. I just swim and I like the slides. Old, I really like slides. I right. really like water slides. I love them. You do. I really love them. Not, parks, not the scary ones. We're playing the... on. What did we do like a week and a half ago? Two weeks ago. But see, that's exercise. We were on, no, you were climbing but on the kid You know what I don't no do? I don't there. think the expensive things and that can break your knee like skiing. All right, so these temperatures, though. I want One more time. I'm, I'm not quite done with this, this story here. These temperatures are insane. Negative 7 as a temperature in Kansas City. Like a high. So what I want you guys to see wow. is the, the, the latitude of Kansas City is equal to Cincinnati. We don't get, um, not a high, but a low. We don't get negative temperatures, usually. Mm -hmm. Um we get negative wind chills, but not negative actual temperatures. Uh, and so to see Missouri at negative 18. That, that giant is, cold blob in the middle. Mm -hmm. Those are negative. Those temperatures are between uh, negative 12 and negative 20. A lot of those are. Even, but what's interesting is if you look at, at a place where you would think would be super cold, uh, let's say Montana. Montana's 27 for the low. 13 and, uh, and, and 13, you know, in that area. That band, I, I just feel like this is not, this is obviously not, this is not a normal weather pattern. I'm just telling you. And so uh, I will bring up 
the Dane waiting to see if I, if I played it. Michelle can uh, bring this up for me since we're already here. Dane did a night, a really great 90 second clip that I had sent to Brideon and uh, now it's not even in my history because I guess I didn't watch it on my history. Let's see, Dane. On how they manipulate the weather. So, okay, this is a good point. So Sherry says, we'll be at an indoor volleyball tournament tomorrow. I'd rather stay home where it is warm. Yes, your volleyball tournament reminds me of the Dan Patch revival that we were gonna do tomorrow. You just mm -hmm. said, we're not gonna do it. We're, that has been moved to February 10th. You can find out more information on that, resistancechicks.com. Uh, click on the banner in the upper right-hand corner that says Dan Patch Revival. But tomorrow night, I we just got confirmation from Scott Kesterson that he is going to be there along with all the Bards FM family. We're going to do another live Zoom. We have we will figure out. I'll I'll be in touch with Scott. We're going to figure out how to keep all of the uh, trolls out of the Zoom call. We're gonna we are literally going to make sure that that happens. It doesn't happen again, and that it, the, our security is secure. Um, but we will be sending out, we won't be sending out, the live Zoom link will be on resistancechicks.com. You'll have to actually go to our website to get it this time. I think that's security measure number one. Yeah. Rather than posting it live everywhere. All but right. we're going to want you guys Could to join us this? tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern uh, Standard the, Time. Uh, YouTube history here. Yes. And what, are, and, and what are we going to talk about? This is this is the 90 no, second clip Leah, from Dave tomorrow, tomorrow night. We're going to be praying. Praying for Deanna. We're gonna pray against Alfred okay. Kinsey, and, and we're just gonna be led as led. And if you need prayer leads. for things, you can come yeah. and get prayer. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to find this clip. This is one clip that I uh, I didn't have up for you. We got it. We got this. So, oh, here we go. Now let's make it big. Just now we can't short. really. It's a short. Just play it. Just just toss it and play it. Okay. It's hard to make it big. Get much of the U.S. Also, New York Times. Arctic blast bears down as more than 200 million Americans under threat from massive storm. That's the UK Independent. Every state in the U.S. had an active National Weather Service watch warning or advisory. Now, with all those incredibly dire sounding breaking headlines in mind, stop and consider the following previous headlines from major sources, which make it shockingly clear that China routinely engineers winter weather mayhem over its populations. From ABC News, artificial snowstorm brings chaos to Beijing. From Popular Science, Chinese weather modification brings crippling snow snowstorms to Beijing. From Reuters.com, China's artificially induced snow closes 12 highways. From BusinessInsider.com, China is massively expanding its weather modification program, saying it will be able to cover half of its country in artificial rain and snow by 2025. Question, is it even remotely rational to believe that the U.S. government and military isn't doing exactly the same thing? On a much larger scale, the U.S. military, ranked as the most powerful military in the world, has more atmospheric tanker jets than all other militaries in the world combined. And let's add this, a U.S. military document titled weather as a force multiplier, owning the weather by 2025. Quote, in 2025, U.S. aerospace forces can own the weather by capitalizing on emerging technologies and focusing development on those technologies to war fighting applications. If you think the criminal cabal masquerading as the U.S. government exists to protect and preserve you and your posterity, think again. Nothing is what it seems. Okay. Think again. Nothing is what it seems. Michelle, I don't know if you want to bring up his uh, website, geoengineeringwatch.com. It's a, or, or dot org. It's uh, over here towards the left. A full fury of winter weather warfare is being released on major portions of the U.S. and Russia. Was this the plan that was hatched at the recent, recent COP28 Global Climate Conference? Chemical ice nucleation cloud seeding operations are wreaking havoc around the world on populations and the environment alike. Global conflict is being fomented as the total desperation 
of the matrix manipulators spirals completely out of control. How long to the links in the chain of our current paradigm shatter? Um, and I'm going to actually play a really neat clip for you guys with Infowars when we say goodbye to, um, to this, to, uh, to Facebook. Another story here that is kind of really important, uh, a man named Daniel Penny, and this is over here on the left here, Michelle, was charged with second-degree manslaughter for putting a homeless guy in a chokehold, threatening people on the subway. Do you remember this guy? So there was a kind of a, uh, there was a homeless uh, young black man that he got on the subway and he was threatening people, he was threatening people's lives, and now he is being charged with manslaughter. This is a miscarriage of justice. He saved lives uh, this Marine vet named uh, Daniel Perry. A judge has denied a motion by attorneys for Daniel Perry, the U.S. Marine veteran, who placed Jordan Neely in a deadly chokehold aboard a New York City subway last year to dismiss the case. The decision came in court on Wednesday. The judge ordered Penny back to court in late March. His trial is tentatively expected to start in the fall. Penny's lawyers said they disagree with the judge's decision. While we disagree with the court's decision not to dismiss the indictment, we understand that the legal threshold to continue, even an ill-conceived prosecution, is very low. We are confident that a jury, aware of Danny's actions and putting aside his own safety to protect the lives of his fellow riders, will deliver a just verdict. Danny is grateful for the continued prayers and support through this difficult pro process. Uh, every single passenger on that train was fearing for their lives and thankful for what he did. Yeah. Penny uh, pinned uh, this um, Neely to the ground with the help of two other passengers and held him a chokehold for more than three minutes. Uh, Neely lost consciousness during the struggle. The chokehold uh, death, which was caught by a bystander video, prompted fierce debate, with some praising Penny as a good Samaritan and others accusing him of race, racist vigilantism. In, October, in an October court filing, Penny's attorneys highlighted testimony from grand jury witnesses who were on the May 1st train. One of those riders, the motion reads, was afraid he was going to die wow. when Neely approached him. Do you know you're allowed to use deadly force when somebody is trying to kill you? Yes. Or kill another person? Right. To get a manslaughter conviction, which carries a prison sentence of up to 15 years, prosecutors would have to prove uh, Penny recklessly caused Neely's death while being aware of the risk of serious harm. When the Marine veteran charged in the subway chokehold death of Jordan Neely answered to a grand jury indictment to today. You in the lives Shh, of other people lady. around you. You may play it. No, it's okay. okay. A conviction for criminally negligent homicide would require the jury to find Penny unjustifiably put Neely at risk of death, but failed to perceive the risk. But it has to be unjustified. Mm. This was completely 100% justified. It's all on video. All the bystanders say the same thing. This is a... Uh, uh, a justice system, quote unquote, non-justice system that has run amok. And I and I hope and pray that he gets a fair trial. That's what I, I really, truly pray that he gets a, a fair trial. All right. Speaking of fair trials, this is very, very interesting. This could affect all of us in ways that you don't quite understand yet. The Supreme Court is going to hear a case involving New England fishermen. But it involves so much more. It involves the fourth branch of government. You know those branches of government? Oh, they're not really branches of government, are they? The EPA. Mm -hmm. the, the FDA. OSHA, the FDA. The USDA. None of them are voted upon by you and me. You see, we have a system of government set up by our founding fathers in the Constitution. You know, all those forms of government are unconstitutional because we are supposed to have representation. You know, you're not supposed to have taxation without representation. You know what they call it instead of a tax? 
a fee. A fee. Yeah. We're just going to have a bunch of fees. Mm -hmm. And they call them fees and they're not taxes, but they're taxes because these fees are used for governmental purposes. Right. So they're taxes. I wonder what our founding fathers would say about all the fees. That's a good question. So that's what's happening to these fishermen who are being charged an exorbitant fee to keep a, quote, watcher on their boats because of climate and all kinds of stuff. And, and we're going to get into the, the nitty-gritty of this case in a second. The bureaucracy empowering judicial doctrine that critics blame for the explosive growth of the U.S. government in recent decades should be overturned. The Supreme Court heard two days ago on January 17th. The court may overturn, and this is a very interesting case. This is very much like Roe v. Wade. It's called the mm -hmm. Chevron Doctrine or Chevron Deference that the Supreme Court enunciated in 1984, or its narrow application, Chevron Deference, as lawyers call it, holds that an agency's interpretation of a statute, this is very crazy, it administers and entitled to deference unless Congress has said otherwise. So it doesn't matter what the agency says about anything. They're entitled, you go with the agency unless Congress actually has a specific statute against every single little thing that an agency does. Right. They have no oversight. Right. They're not voted in. And you're supposed to just hire somebody and then they make rules and laws for everybody on all these nitty little tiny things. And you know what the biggest argument against this is? Is that, so at first conservatives um, didn't want judges. And, and the conservatives were actually kind of for this Chevron doctrine. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't want judges making the call on every little thing. Unfortunately... You're going to have to. Right. Because now you have people who are completely unelected, holding to no one, and at least judges are a part of our government. Right. Of the three branches of government, okay? The court's ultimately ultimate ruling might alter the current balance of power among Congress, executive agencies, and the nation's judiciary by curbing the legal underpinnings of the modern administrative state, the fourth branch of government, which is bloated, fat, obese, and needs to go on Cato. Oh, my gosh, Lori. Eat some beef, baby. Eat some beef. That's its problem. I'm not even kidding, because you got like all those corn-loving FDAers out there, corn and soybean, everything. They need to go Cato. Oh, my gosh. They man. really do. Carnivore. Which critics deride as an illeg illegitimate force branch of government. In the landmark ruling of Chevron versus Natural Resources Defense Council, the NRDC, which, again, would be a bunch of unelected people. Mm-hmm. The court held that while the courts, quote, must give effect to the un um, bang unambiguously expressed intent of Congress, where courts find Congress has not directly addressed the precise question at issue and the, quote, statute is silent or ambiguous with respect to the specific issue, the question for the court is whether the agency's answer is based on a permissible construction of the statute. Conservatives and Republican policymakers have long been critical of the doctrine, saying it has contributed to the dramatic growth of government and gives unelected regulators far too much power to make policy by going beyond what Congress intended when it approved various laws. The authority of regulatory agencies has been increasingly questioned in recent years as the conservative majority on the Supreme Court has grown. Conservatives Clarence Thomas, Alito, and Gorsuch have expressed skepticism of the Chevron Doctrine. Those on the other side said the Chevron Doctrine empowers an activist federal government to serve the public interest in an increasingly complicated world without having to seek specific congressional authorization for everything that needs to be done. No, actually, you should. 
You really, really should because you're not voted in. That is totally unconstitutional. Oh, we might need to go ask our parents if we can stay out past midnight. No, we're kids here. No, you're just kids. If you are not voted in, then you're just kids. The court heard two related cases, Relentless Incorporated versus the Department of Commerce and Looper Bright Enterprises versus uh, Ramondo. In the cases at hand, in 2020, the U.S. Department of Commerce, Na Commerce's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the National Marine Fishery Service implemented a final rule to compel fishing companies to pay for human monitors aboard their vessels. The companies say the burden of paying for the monitors is a hardship that significantly reduces their profit margins. I wouldn't care if the government were paying for it. No, 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 no. You don't get to have a government person on top of your on, on your ship. No, 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 no. For too long, uh, Chevron has distorted the judicial process and undermined statutory interpretation. Michelle, if you could get the, the, the video I got of the, the fisherman I in front of I finally got Zero Hedge to work. I had to make this. You didn't even know what I had to just do. So do you have to do that for every single one? No, because I've set it up for it. It's literally a Zero Hedge screen. So for every Zero Hedge article from now on, you can put it in there. Well, could you bring up the fisherman here? Get him, get him yes, toyed up. I just worked out. Thank you. Get him, get him queued up. Okay. Chevron violates the Constitution. Article 3 empowers judges to say what the law is and to interpret federal statutes using their best and independent judgment. Chevron undermines that duty. It reallocates interpretive authority from courts to agencies, and it forces courts to adopt inferior agency constructions that are issued for political or policy reasons. In doing so, Chevron blocks judges from serving as faithful agents of Congress. It mandates judicial bias and encourages agency overreach, and by removing key checks on executive power, it threatens individual liberty. Chevron also violates the APA, the Administrative Procedure Act. The APA contemplates that courts, not agencies, will authoritatively resolve amb ambiguities in statutes. This court's only justification for Chevron is the implied delegation theory, and that theory is a fiction. There's no reason to think that Congress intends every ambiguity and every agency statute to give agencies an ongoing power to interpret and reinterpret federal law in the ways that override its best meaning. In this case, the agency misinterpreted the MSA, uh, the uh, Conservation Management Act, to force struggling fishermen to pay up to 20% of their annual profits to federal agents. The government is arguing that even if all nine of you agree with us that the agency's construction is worse than ours, you should nonetheless defer to that construction and uphold their program under Chevron. That's not consistent with the rule of law. If we have the best view of the statute, we should win the case, said the lawyer. Uh, J Clarence Thomas told uh, Mr. Martinez, your argument is that Chevron deference is problematic. How do we know where the line is? Justice uh, Elena Kagan offered a hypothetical to show the difficulty that lawmakers could face if deference to agencies were overruled. The justice asked how lawmakers would decide if a product aimed at alleviating bad cholesterol was a dietary supplement or a drug. Having specialized agencies staffed with experts who understand these things could be helpful. Not elected, by the way. Along similar lines, Justice uh, Kenjati Brown Jackson, you know, Kitanji. Kitanji. Uh, said the Chevron was doing the very important work of helping courts stay away from policymaking. Ah, you got to have those unelected bureaucrats make policy. I'm worried about the courts becoming uber legislators, she said. Samuel Alito suggested that Chevron uh, became popular because it was viewed as a way of discouraging judges from imposing their own views in cases. Alito asked Mr. Martinez if he agreed that one of the reasons why Chevron was originally so popular was concerned that judges uh, were allowing their policy views 
consciously or unconsciously to influence their interpretation of the statutes. Yes, that fear has diminished over time because nowadays courts rely less on legislative history and more on freeform analysis. But the Supreme Court has now made clear that really we should be text focused. So the late Justice Scalia backed away from the initial enthusiasm about Chevron deference when he realized the APA had text that actually bore on this question. So when you're, um, I think the Chevron framework is a bedrock principle. That's what a lot of people are saying of the of administrative law with deep roots in this court's jurisprudence. They do not want this overturned because it actually is uh, a fourth branch of government and it is going to be a huge precedent. Uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett says most scholars are, are of statutory interpretation consider Chevron to be an interpretive canon, much like clear statement rules, rules of leniency judicial uh, judiciously created. So they are when you're looking at this, it, it, it's almost as if you're saying that no, no one has the ability to question the administrative state because somebody somewhere decided that this is the way we're going to do things, even if it's unconstitutional. Right. Let's hear from the fishermen. England fishermen especially are the most regulated fishermen in the world but you the US consumer are buying product from nations that do not abide by those regulations and at the same time we're getting killed for the sake of going green but nobody else is. I grew up in a commercial fishing home on an island in Maine, uh, Harpswell, uh, it's a chain of islands. Um, my father was a ground fisherman, lobsterman, uh, my grandfather was a, a lobsterman, my uncle's ground fisherman, my brother's a ground fisherman, lobsterman. Uh, seining, sword fishing, urchin diving, uh, shrimping, scalloping, we've done it all. Uh, we're in front of the Supreme Court uh, right now. We're here talking about monitors and the financing that's, and the burden that's been pushed to the fisheries uh, to pay for monitoring aboard our vessels. When we first started in the, in, in the industry, we had to have a monitor, which was an electronic monitor on the boat to, to, to uh, just know where we are, so like a black box. Started with the black box and then we started getting fisheries, fisheries observers. When I was ground fishing, monitors were government agents that were brought aboard the boat to measure discards, cap catch, uh, just overall watchers. These guys are the ones that fresh out of college, they got a couple of weeks of training online and then they were brought out to sea with me where I was responsible for keeping their safety, uh, feeding them, keeping them out of harm's way. Well, we were in a storm off the Cape. It was probably blowing a good 60 westerly. I'd been up for 19 hours and it was probably two o'clock in the morning. So I laid down, put my mate up at watch for a couple of hours. Well, we were hit by a rogue wave. Literally slammed us like a freight train, picked the entire 98 foot vessel up, laid her on her side, almost upside down. You know, that lights, everything in the boat just shifted. Even the crews were laying on the walls and partially on the ceiling. It's times like those, if we had to abandon ship, and now I have to go down into the vessel to go after a child who's having a panic attack. Monitoring at our expense, 700 and something dollars a day, well, heck, on a small boat, sometimes your profit is only that. So you might have a zero profit day because you didn't even cover your observer. Well, uh, with us, it was like $780 a day for a monitor. And uh, when you have a monitor aboard your vessel, the crews aboard the boat have to buy the food. We don't get reimbursed for that food as well. Uh, that's $780 a day. Well, I can't even afford sometimes to pay my crew $780 a day, but we're paying monitors. Observers are, are across the country in all fisheries. 
Uh, we used to get them at like a, a small rate, 10%, 20%. It kept going up and up and up, and now it's about 100% observer monitor coverage. Government has been threatening that we're going to have to pay for observers for many, many years. Every time they find the funding and they pay for the observers, well, they're really hammering down the threat that we're going to have to pay. It'll be too much money and not enough profit for the, for the boats to stay and leave the dock. The town I live in, in Rye, New Hampshire, is one of the first places where European settlers came and started. Everybody knows this myth about Plymouth Plantation and a little bit about Jamestown, but actually at the Isles of Shoals, there were Europeans that came across just to fish. They set up little fishing camps, dried their fish, and then they went back to Europe. We have to ask permission to go to work, and it's not so simple as I'm choosing to go today because the weather is good. I asked to ask Big Brother if we can actually go to work. You have to log on to a computer, you have to hope you have a signal, and you're also paying for these services. So that is problematic in, in so many ways. It's ridiculous that an Icelandic fisherman can be uh, off the coast of Iceland catching fish and then it goes on an airplane, lands in Boston, becomes the fish and chip special at your local restaurant. When there's perfectly good fish from the United States, caught locally, much smaller carbon footprint, a lot of the fishermen have been displaced because it's just so egregious how to go make your living these days. We've got regulatory policy, regulation. I know it's, it's a full-time job just staying on top of that and not to being one of the more dangerous jobs in the world is commercial fishing. I mean, there's no guarantee you're coming home. So when you kiss your family goodbye in the morning, that could be the last kiss or the last hug. And what do we do? Well, the men and women in the fleet, we love what we do. We're conservationists. The last thing a fisherman wants to do is run out of fish. We want fish forever for our kids, for us. We want to make our living, make our payments, feed our families. I mean, if we didn't care about the fish stocks or whatever species we're targeting, we wouldn't be in business. This is something that every harvester that I've ever known here in New England, we, we do care about. I mean, nobody wants to kill the last fish. We want to get up. What was given to us should be given to the next generation. There was a promise given. I mean, what's in the water belongs to every U.S. citizen. That's ridiculous. Why is it that Iceland doesn't have the same regulations? China, Japan, we are getting, this is the problem with America. We are overregulated. And then just like with the climate greenies, China's not regulated. Yeah, exactly. When it comes to their manufacturing. Right. India is not regulated. So, but we can get this stuff from India and it's fine. This is what they do with slavery. Oh, we don't have slavery here. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. You have more slavery than you could ever bat an eye at. And this with the climate climate craziness, I hope they win. I do too. And you know, I think that this is something that, you know, Catherine was, uh, my, my our best friend was messaging me today and she's like, I just, you know, it really upsets me that shows like Resistance Chicks, this is our show, that's my, my friend, mm -hmm. shows like Resistance Chicks and Glenn Beck and nobody in the whole wide world is covering her personal issues that she has to deal with as an accountant with the IRS. Mm. And they have changed, they changed so many things. And one of the things that she's dealing with today is filing W-2s. They now have to file their W-2s online. You cannot mail them in anymore, okay? But, so, so they change that, they give them very, very short notice, okay? And you have to have these W-2s filed by January 31st. You have to, okay? So number one, they change that you have to be able to file them online. Then they changed how you can log in. And so she goes to file their W-2s and she's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it digitally. Okay. 
And um, then she can't log in. So now she needs a new login. But the login is not going to come to you digitally. They're going to send you your PIN and it's going to take 20 days to get there. Now, it's going to take 20 days to get there, which will put them past the January 31st date. And then it's a $50 fee per employee. So Catherine's like, we're going to have $1,000 worth of fees. She's like, that's fine for us. But what about people that have, and this is, this is for employees that already, that are um, for, for businesses that have less than 5,000 employees. Because the people that have more than 5,000 employees are already having to file digitally. So let's say you have 4,999 employees and this lands in your lap. Now you got a $50 fee per person. This is just landed on you. And she's so righteously indignant. And she's like, why is nobody talking about this? Because now the IRS, it's, it's, she says they are doing it. This is Catherine. You have to know our, our best friend. She's like, they are doing this on purpose. Because if you were just trying to change the system, you would do one change per year. You would change the, the fact that you have to file digitally one year, and then you would change the way you have to log in mm-hmm. the next year. But the fact that you're doing them both at the same time means that you are just trying to get at this. You're just trying to get at the fee mm-hmm. and make these people pay the fees. Okay. So there They're are just so, trying to get the fees. There are so many things They're out there in this world. The fees. That the government is doing. You think the IRS is not in the Constitution, by the way. It should be utterly, completely abolished. It is unconstitutional. Did you vote on anybody who, who's in the, who, who is your, uh, do you have a representative in the IRS? Do you know that so many people think that our income taxes are where the government gets most of their money? Do you have any, is that, is that a joke? You really think that the income tax is where the government, first of all, where they get most of their money is called printing it. It's in, it's the silent tax inflation, you know, they're stealing. But, no, income but tax get is their, a fear-based system. But what I'm you. saying is there are so many other ways, fees, that the government gets their money. It's it's ridiculous and their money. It's our money. We are the government. Tuh. We are the government, by the way. You just keep reminding yourself of that. This is absolutely Speaking ridiculous. Speaking of fees, that's, that's, that is ridiculous. We don't want to read a comment here. Okay. This, re- this is really good. From Real Man 72 Hi, ladies. Thank you for a revelation red pill for episode 44. Got so much out of that, especially as I am reading the books you mentioned, as I read the book from the beginning to end, was exiting 2 Samuel, and now I am well into second uh, to 1 Kings. And uh, I am really, really excited that you are reading your Bible Scott Kesterson's been encouraging it on his show. We've been encouraging it. Read the Founder's Bible. Get the Founder's Bible. Read it front to back. Read your Bible. It is. I, I feel bad that out of seven years of shows that we've been doing, that this is not something that we actually regularly encourage. Read your Bible front to back. There are so many people that have come to me since we've been talking about this. And Scott's been talking about, like, I never thought about I never thought to do that. And I thought to myself, that's how I, 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 no, that's not how I always read it. I, I read it both ways, right? So I read the Bible front to back, but then in my studying of the Bible, when the Lord speaks to me, I go up to my room, I need a word, I'll just flip it open, you know, whatever. So I read it multitude of ways, but I'm always, I am literally always my entire life in some series of reading the Bible through, right? And, and honestly, sometimes I'm in the Old Testament in one kind of series that I'm doing, reading it through and I'm in the New Testament in another series that I'm doing and I'm going to give you guys another tip there are 31 proverbs most months have 31 days 
So you could be reading a portion of the Old Testament every day through. You could be reading a portion of the New Testament every day through. And you could be reading a Proverbs every day. That's a good way to do it, right? So then you'll be reading through the New Testament actually more than you're reading through the Old Testament. Yeah, I like to go through um, the, the Bible. I go uh, three to five chapters a day. Um, I want to read through the entire Bible front to back. Um, I feel like the reason the Old Testament is bigger is it's really important. And I will add another th- way that I'm reading the Bible. You know, this is not, does not make me a Bible, Bible scholar. It makes me somebody that, A, loves the word, and B, I'm a little dense, and I need it as much as I can for it to sink in. It takes a little bit more hammering to get that nail to go in. I listen to the audio Bible. Mm-hmm. I listen to it when I get up as I'm getting ready, as I'm cleaning my room. I listen to it at night when I go to sleep. As I'm sleeping, I'm listening to it. So I'm getting that word in as no, much as good. possible. Because no, my good. because I'm not a pine. I'm if like an guys, oak trying to put a nail in it. If you guys it. want a Founders Bible and you want us to sign it, send us an email. Uh, we can send you one. Um, and uh, You make it sound like it's free. We're not giving them away. <laughs> but you do get a 20% discount. Yeah, and you can also go to thefoundersbible.com and uh, use promo code RESISTANCECHICKS. All right, so uh, Thomas Massey tweets this out. Oh, but Congress Massey, these were incentive incentive payments, not bribes. This is from Anthem on the uh, JAB, the uh, JAB uh, Provider Incentive Program. And you can uh, scroll down here and you'll see that if your practice meets the below thresholds for jabs with at least one dose by September 1st, 2021, you will receive the initial incentive payment based on the following rates. Uh, 30% uh, Anthem members vaccinated $20 bonus per uh, member. 40% Anthem members jabbed $45% bonus per jab member. If you can get 75% of your Anthem members jabbed, you would get a $125 bonus in your practice per jabbed member. The final incentive payment is calculated based on members who are newly uh, jabbed between September uh, 1st and December 31st. And then if you can get those people uh, to meet those thresholds, you can get up to $250 bonus per newly jabbed person. So your primary care provider was bribed, was bribed. Absolutely 100% bribed with a lot of money. Wow. Mucho dinero. Mucho <laughs> dinero. Wow. All right. So speaking of Speaker Johnson, we did a clip on him uh, just earlier, right before this. The GOP has surrendered the budget once again. Uh, they, they passed another stopgap budget. They're going to hit it again in March. Speaker Johnson said he wasn't going to do another stopgap budget. He said this stuff on the border was going to be part of it. And he caved because he is a turd. Oh uh, sorry. Oh. He's just, he, he takes Romans 13 and he's like, oh, Biden's in power. I'm just going to be here. I'm just speaker of the house. I don't really have any power and authority. I'm only like third to, to line to the king. Oh my gosh. Leah. Second, actually. Uh, another GOP budget surrender as new uh, Speaker Johnson re, uh, re, re-aimed uh, for caving to dames. Reamed, sorry. Reamed, reamed. <laughs> My eyes, they reamed, reamed, reamed. Uh, Johnson's deal cut 16 billion in gimmicks out of the 1.7 trillion Dems wanted. It does nothing about the border, uh, but it fully funds the foreign wars and just about everything that the uh, Bidens want. Everything. To deliver yet another budget surrender. Congressional Democrats were downright giddy trumpeting the new 2024 budget agreement as a big win. Mm. 
begging the question with a Republican speaker like Johnson, who really needs Democrats? The deal clears the way to pour yet another $1.7 of taxpayer money into a bunch of departments that would otherwise run out of money next week, including energy, housing, transportation, and agricultural subsidies. The deal cuts, wait for it, $16 billion in spending out of $1.7 trillion. So that is less than a penny on the dollar, or as my friend E.J. Antoni notes, it comes to five days of interest on the national debt. And as you'd expect, it's a penny worth of gimmicks. Accelerating a single budget cut along with $6 billion in leftover COVID money that they count as spending cuts because Washington does math differently than normal humans do math. As Speaker Johnson dryly put it, quote, final spending levels will not satisfy everyone. Do you think? More important, the deal does nothing about the wide open border and the millions of illegal migrants flooding into our country, apparently at a taxpayer cost of $144,000 per migrant per year, according to New York City. Indeed, one Republican, Senator Lankford of Oklahoma, is actually pushing an immigration deal that would hand out work visas to those illegals to leave no GOP donor behind in their quest to replace American workers with survival-level imports. The deal kept the McCarthy-negotiated spending levels, so $886 billion for the military, so for foreign wars, and $704 billion in non-defense spending, meaning handouts, vote-buying, and power grabs. Yes, if you are following at home, establishment Republicans will give everything away as long as they can get money for foreign wars and cheap imported labor. The few actual conservatives in Congress have already said they will oppose the deal, so the Freedom Caucus called it a, quote, total failure, even worse than we expected. Conservative donors, according to one report, quote, reamed Johnson for his abject failure. (laughs) Based Senator Mike Lee of Utah noted that Johnson managed to spend $100 billion more than the starting bid, it's a heck of a negotiating talent, while giving Biden just about everything he wanted. As one anonymous congressional Republican summed it, quote, Johnson is way, way over his head. He is getting rolled even worse than McCarthy. So what's next? Brought to you by Unchained.com. At this point, Johnson's tenure at... I am angry. (laughs) I am... Frustrated? F- frustrated? I just, I, my words, I am missing words for this. It's so rare for you. Weak-bellied man. So I'm just going to let that sit for a what minute. What the heck is that? So this I is a commercial. I can't play that on my show. Yes, you can. I don't even know what that is. It looks wrong. It's a guy on an oil rig. But he looks naked. He's got his shirt off for a reason. This is a commercial break. This uh, this makes me smile every time <laughs> wait, I see wait, wait. this. Whatever this is we're about to watch does not look like something that's going to make me smile. It's okay. going to make you smile. Okay. I'm really terrified by this. No. Okay, so feminists like to say <laughs> oh, dear that God. anything a man can do, oh, a woman boy. can do, and better. Anything you and, can do, and very can much do better. On yep. our show, we mm-hmm. laugh at that. And this little lady here has put it to visual uh, visual, visual, visual uh, art here so that we can actually see that, no, ladies, your feminist nonsense is garbage. And I would like for you to join an oil rig and see just how well you would do. Because guess what? There are things that only men, some of them are kind of stupid enough to do, but only men can do. 
anything men can do, we can do better. <laughs> Reject delusions, embrace gender differences. Now, I, I, I am not, I, I do not believe that God has called men to do those particular jobs That's on good. oil rigs because it is death, it is death defying. Do you know how many people die on oil rigs? You now have seen why. We met a young man who was actually, he had to leave the job. He was a medic. Uh, in the oil fields of Texas. That's a whole nother uh, show. And he said that he he literally had to go through like therapy. He had to leave because he would have 13 people die a month down there. Mm. It's a story that nobody How come no about. one's talking about that? Just to drive your cars. Like, you know, everybody's like, I don't really want my child to join the military because they may die. Those That sounds like, I mean, that's an intense. They get a th not for $1,000 a day. It's a lot of money, but it's a thousand dollars a day. Did you just say they get a thousand dollars a day? $1, How many days do they work? Probably not very many of doing that. But eventually, your luck's going to run out. You're not going like to live literally that. scared. Right you now. just got to get in. It's like it's like a it's like get in, mm. get get your money, and then get get out. You know, it's not something you want to. It's not a career life choice. But now that's that a commercial break. That was a like commercial I'm like break. Afraid now. Like, okay, so there's two, there's, so the problem is the video that she's using is a whole nother conversation aside from the point that she's trying to make. The point that she's trying to make is that there are, and that is one industry, but there are thousands and thousands Logging. of things that men do that women cannot do. They don't do. They can't do. Right. They th physically cannot. Right. Physically, you will never, if, if you work out, if you to as good buff as you can get. Yeah. There, these are jobs. There are so there are a lot of jobs that only super buff guys. Can you know do. what offended me about um, the movie GI Jane was that she could actually be a Navy SEAL. That it was Demi Moore, like of all the like physiques picked, right? Like she wouldn't make it. Mm -mm. Like physically, mm -mm. she would not have made it. No, it's embarrassing. Just because you shave your head doesn't make you a Navy SEAL. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Uh, I just see my head like let me in. No, that's not how that works. No, she no, if if here's the thing. You're stuck on the battlefield. Do you want uh uh Corey Terry to throw you over your shoulder or Demi Moore? So over his shoulder, you over, mean? Yeah. To she's, get you she's out. She's not gonna throw you over her shoulder. She's not carrying you out. Right. All right. So speaking of not carrying you out, Heritage President goes oh, scorched boy. earth on global elite Davos, and I'm here for it. And you're here for it. And he actually went on Steve Bannon and kind of laughed about what he was going to talk about. And I can't believe they let what him speak. What he was going to talk about? Yeah. I can't okay. believe they let him speak. I'm actually uh, pretty uh, pretty, pretty excited about this one. Uh, and then I have another clip for you from... Tell them uh, about the Heritage Foundation. Well, it's a conservative... Right. Uh, it's a, the Heritage Foundation is a conservative news outlet. 
And then I have got another clip. Michelle will get um, queued up with the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan saying, stop, stop making fun of all the Trumpites. Okay, let me rewind this because I want to make sure this isn't the right. Make sure we get every little second out of this because it's really good. And then we'll toss it over here. There we go. It's laughable that you would or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. It's equally up for it. It's 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 equally laughable to use the word dictatorship at Davos and and aim that at President Trump. In fact, I think that's absurd. Uh But I'm going to step aside from that constructive criticism and instead answer your question. Yep. And and I'm going to be substantive here. President Trump, if he's the next president, for that matter, I think whoever the next conservative president is going to take on the power of the elites, which I mentioned earlier. But the the thing that I want to drive home here, the very reason that I'm here at Davos, is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching, with all due respect, nothing personal, but that you're part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X, when in fact reality is Y. Take immigration. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. President Trump will take that on on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum is climate change. Elites tell us that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions, the average person know, ba- based on climate change, are far worse and more harmful and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating, than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet, who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. That's what the average American and the average free person on planet Earth wants out of leaders. Mm. Wow. That was, that was pretty good. You know, it felt like 
I mean, it was so well said. I'm like, how many times did he practice that? Um, it kind of felt like he was going through well, it was. in his mind. I'm sure he did. He you know, all the way to he went all the way to and he made it. And, and like when he got to Javier Millet, like I've practiced memorizing speeches before, and it's actually really, really hard to do. Yeah. So, but I'm I'm very impressed that he made all five of his points, mm -hmm. and he even remembered Millet's speech properly. Yeah. So um, on Sunday, somebody did an AI. I'm not exactly happy about AI, but somebody did a, a, a an AI translation of Melee's speech and he it's 23 minutes long and it's absolutely oh, wow. brutal uh to the davos elites and we're gonna play that on our show but if you click over to the next uh to the very next clip we've got up here let me read this com let me read okay. some comments here um let's see um oh sherry says silver went down again it's time to go get you some mm-hmm uh so Jim says, I worked on an oil rig once. I was oil field trash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's impressive that you even went. I'm really, really impressed. Um, underwater welder's life expectancy is average of 32 years, says oh, Brenda. Wow. Wow. Uh, Scott Kesterson says, when we work in the real world, world trades all have a measured uh, measure, measure of risk. Men come alive in those jobs and become stronger and mightier in God. Mm. I totally agree with that. Um, Let's see. Chris says, give them information that should be part of their informed consent disclosure and ask them if they are going to obey God or man. Very, very good. Scott says, this speech is important. It demonstrates a quiet shift of power that has occurred out of public view. Mm. Big things are happening because people are finally standing up and voicing truth. Amen. Yeah, Sherry true. says, I was watching videos of the German farmer protests earlier. Earlier, People are awake and we are not backing down. Mm. No, that's really good. That's really good. I was really surprised with this next clip as Michelle brings it up. The CEO of J.P. Morgan, I think that even the uh, global elite are learning that you're you have half the population that is against you, and if you keep acting like the bad guy, they're going to see you as the bad guy. You can't just say deplorable. And I think that you know, for the CEO of J.P. Morgan to come out and say what he says in this one, it means that they are they are scared. And they are divided on how they deal with us, us, the deplorables. We've got this great hand, but when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump and they think they're voting and they're basically scapegoating them, that you are like him. Uh, and but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. Now, if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He's kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration. Mm -hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, Trade, China ta virus. Tax reform worked. Yeah. He was right about some of China. I don't, th I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. When he, when he, yeah. he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about I Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should, have, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's, I, I agree. It's done quite and, you know, the it. Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, but, hugging on to their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Like, can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? Jimmy, and, Jimmy. and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this, this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. If it's even going to be Biden, wow. which it's not. But that was you know, very well said. Yeah, but I'm telling you that these bankers, they, 
everybody thinks that there's there's one group of people and they all have the same ideas. Mm-hmm. You know what? The CEO of J.P. Morgan just wants to keep his pockets lined. There are some guys who just want the money. <laughs> then there are some guys who who are ideologues. They want the money and the power. And the guys who want the power often are not as motivated by the money. J.P. Morgan, CEO, I'm motivated by the money. Yeah. Okay. You I know that the- news anchor though. He he felt I felt like he was kind of a real human being. Kind of having sense, a little bit like, of a. He well, goes, it is kind of hard to to hate 87 million of your fellow Americans. 74. Whatever many he said, it's yeah. supposed to be 80, but. It's, it's Speaking of hating, um, if you could bring up uh, this bit shoot over here of Tim Pool. I have no idea why my mute's not working. I don't have a single bit shoot up. I can go and find it, though. Oh, okay. is it on the very end? Uh, no, you do have to bring it up. Yeah, okay, I brought it up fine. at the end. This is particularly alarming. Uh, Jim Jordan is going to hold a hearing on this. Absolutely crazy. Where you have... Um, is it one of these two it's here, a, Leah? Uh, yeah. Which one? Feds. <laughs> okay. Feds asked banks to search Americans' records for gun retailers' words like Trump and MAGA and Bible purchases. So the Treasury Department, on behalf of federal law terrifying. enforcement, on January 6, 2021, asked banks to snoop through customers' transactions for signs of, quote, extremism, such as, quote, purchases of small arms or for gun retailers, Dick's Sporting Goods, Bass Pro Shop, Cabela's, according to... Uh, House Judiciary Committee uh, J- uh, Jim Jordan. So Jordan revealed the secret request on Thursday in a letter to the former director of Treasury Department's Office of Stakeholder Int- Integration and Engagement in the Strategic Operations Division of the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Uh, and he says, we now know the federal government flagged terms like MAGA and Trump to financial institutions of um, if Americans completed transactions using those terms. What was also flagged? If you bought a religious text like the Bible or shopped at Bass Pro Shop, the federal government flagging us. Jordan's letter, which asked Bishop's office to appear for a transcribed interview, said this kind of pervasive financial surveillance carried out in coordination with and at the request of federal law enforcement into America's private transactions is alarming and raises serious doubts about the financial sense uh, respect for fundamental uh, civil liberties. The secret requests were found as part of the Judiciary Committee and Judicial Select Subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government oversight on federal law enforcement's receipt of information about American citizens without legal process. Jordan said in the letter that the subcommittee and the select subcommittee obtained documents indicating that following January 6, 2021, FinCEN distributed materials to banks that outlined the typologies of various persons of interest and provided financial institutions with suggested search terms and merchant category codes for identifying transactions on behalf of federal law enforcement. Jordan said the materials included a document recommending the use of generic terms such as Trump, MAGA, or search gel payment messages, and as well as a prior FinCEN analysis of lone actor homegrown violent extremism indicators. According to the analysis, FinCEN warned financial institutions of, quote, extremism indicators that include transportation charges such as bus tickets, rental cards, or plane tickets for travel areas with no apparent purpose? What? If I'm going to some place in Mississippi, you're going to flag me? Maybe I'm visiting my grandma? You mean you can only go to tourist destinations? People can't travel anymore? And what is it? Why do you think that homegrown extremists may be traveling to like some place in Arkansas or something? Including religious texts and subscriptions. Get this. Get this. Subscriptions to other media containing extremist views. 
like the Gateway Pundit or maybe the or Breitbart or Infowars. In other words, FinCEN urged large financial institutions to comb through the private transactions of their customers for suspicious charges on the basis of protected political and religious expression. Jordan said FinCEN also distributed slides prepared by one bank explaining how other banks could use uh, MCCs to detect customers whose transactions may reflect potential active shooters and may include dangerous international ter terrorists. The slides instructed banks to look for transactions including certain MCC codes such as 3484, small arms, 5091, sportings and recreational goods and supplies. So if you're getting a bow and arrow, flag <laughs> by the government, okay? Or keywords, get this, Cabela's or Dick's Sporting Goods were keywords. Wait, 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 wait. Literally Dick's can't be keywords. it. Dick's can't be it because there are all these posh, preppy, sporty, loving, yeah, great. I'm glad it was Dick's Sporting Goods because Dick's was the first to fold on ammo and guns and stuff. Despite these transactions having no apparent criminal nexus and, in fact, relate to Americans exercising their Second Amendment rights, FinCEN seems to have adopted a characterization of these Americans as potential threats. In an interview with Fox News, Jordan calls it financial surveillance. In the last year, we've exposed the censorship where you had big government, big tech, big media, big academia working to censor Americans. Now we have financial surveillance where it's big government working with big banks, big corporations to spy on Americans. And so it was big banks looking and searching private transactions using key terms at the suggestion of the federal government to find out what you are buying and what you're spending money on. Scary stuff. All it looks like without a warrant, without any legal process. It's scary stuff. And I'm telling you, Bibles? Wow. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what. The here scariest weapon you will ever come across is a Bible. And I'm telling you, this right here is the scariest weapon in the world. It's a Founder's Bible. And if you want one, you can go to leadfoundersbible.com and get and use promo code resistance chicks, or you can contact us and we'll give you a side copy of the scariest weapon in the world. You are literally five years old. I ain't bringing it up. They brought it up. No, it was good. Then got the, the CEO of JP Morgan just said, stop talking about their guns and their Bibles. He did. They love me some guns and their Bibles. Okay, would you, Tim Pool has something to say on this. Maybe a little less animated. Transactions including MAGA or Trump, purchases of Bibles. This is, this is, this is wild. The U.S. government asked financial institutions to filter private customer purchases using terms including MAGA Trump as part of a January 6th investigation. Perhaps most shockingly, they also asked for a warning uh, of purchases of religious texts, including the Bible that could indicate extremism. According to the letter from uh, to the former director of the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, Noah Bischoff, from the House Judiciary Committee and its subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. House Judiciary Committee cha uh, Chair Jim Jordan posted the letter on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, writing, We now know the federal government flagged terms like MAGA and Trump. OK, so we, we, we don't need to read the quote. We know it. Mm -hmm. He also says if you were shopping at Bass Pro Shop, this doesn't seem, uh, in my opinion, like they're just trying to find criminals. It seems more like they are building a profile database. 100%. Yes. They're going to have a list of, uh, uh, look, man, we often joke that Facebook knows when you poop. And the reason <laughs> I bring that up is because it brings a little levity to, this, levity to the situation. But we are entering the era of pre-crime. Oh you guys ever seen, you've seen my minority report, yeah. right? 
I love this movie because it's like I think it's a Philip K. Dick uh, 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 novel or story, and then it gets turned into a movie. And the idea is they have they get they get lucky in the D.C. area. They find three psychics and they plug them into a machine, and then the psychics can predict murder. The reality is you don't need psychics. You don't need magic. They have built these databases that track what you do, what you say, when you say it, and they are building databases and profiles and predictive machines. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about whether you've done anything wrong. It's whether or not you are a threat to their proposed order. Mm -hmm. So the reality here is it's actually quite simple. Are they going to come knock on your door and arrest you because you bought a Bible or went to Bass Pro Shop? No. But uh, are you going to get denied that loan for your small business? Yes. Are you going to get higher points? For your uh, uh, your interest rates when you when you try to buy a house, yes. Are you going to fail when you are, are your kids going to be rejected from certain schools? It's going to be subtle. They're not going to come outright and be like, "We reviewed your score and the federal government's spying on you." Find out finding out that you went to the Bass Pro Shops. No, they're going to be like, "Okay, let's try and see if you're avail- your uh, uh, the loan. Uh, we can get you a loan on that house, and you've been denied." And you'll say, "Why?" I'm like, well, "You know, it just says you've been rejected. Sorry, have a nice day." And it's going to be because of things like this. So this made me think of. Uh one of the uh, things that I saw right after the uh, announcement of the the Iowa caucuses, Joy Reid came right out and said, you know, look at all of those white Christians in Iowa. And yes, was just demonizing people because uh-huh. of their religion and because of the color of their skin. There's not, and there's, there's no mincing words about it anymore. Nope. It is clearly and openly she was, I think, think she was talking about whether or not uh people would go for nikki haley and i and i think that 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 was the in the context that's the context of, of mentioning it but even still um you know the idea that they're talking about people that bought bibles you know they're going mm-hmm. to start focusing on religious people and they're going to start making people that have any kind of religion uh, that is not approved by the state. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna, you're, they're gonna demonize people, and it's not gonna social be social credit score. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's everything. Yeah, you're gonna get, you're gonna get pulled over more. So, okay, all right. When so, there's uh, a, a, a uh, Glenn Beck talking about this with the, the digital credit score. Now, now, Donald Trump says there'll be no CBDCs if he's president. Great, great for him. Uh, but right now, I need to know what, what, what are you gonna do to protect my civil liberties? I need to buy a gun. I need to buy ammo. I need to buy me a Bible. And what Tim Pool goes on to say is he said, some people are going to be like, you know what? If you have 5%, uh, you make it 5% more difficult for, for, for Trump supporters or Christians to do something, like go to Bass Pro, Pro Shop, and mm-hmm. 5% easier over here to be a liberal and do that. You know, you actually, people just go with a place of least resistance. Right. So, you know what? I'm just not going to buy a new Bible online. I'm going to go buy one at a thrift store or something. Right. Because they're, they, you know, that they're tracking you. And this is where Senator or, or Speaker Mike Johnson misses the boat on Romans 13. Yeah. God did not put government in power to track my gun purchases or track my Bible purchases. And I know a lot of people say, well, this is the government you deserve. This isn't the government I deserve. Maybe it's the government y'all deserve. Here it comes. But not me. Okay. So I'm gonna. I need y'all to work with me to fix this ship. Wow. We need to fix where this puppy is going, and y'all are doing it. I'm so proud of you, Pleglin. 
What is the plan? Let's go back to the chalkboard idea. You have to have zero privacy. This one is pivotal because with privacy, you can buy what you want. Use oil, gas, coal, everything else they call dirty. You can get guns, ammunition. You could travel as much as you want to travel and as, as much as you want. Attend protests that you might want to attend. You can watch whatever news you want. You can do your own homework on issues that affect our families the most. If if absolute control is the goal, then none of these things can remain. If the new world order is the destination, then the government must know where you are at all times. They need to know what information you're consuming, what you're purchasing, what you're using, and in the end, be able to control all of it with a flip of a switch. There are two big must-haves that I believe globalists are going to go into overdrive to start to get done and lay the foundations. Widespread digital ID is first. Big government has massively begun ramping this up, pushing digital ID on the entire world. USAID has an entire section on digital identity, and it even includes a document that basically instructs foreign governments how to brainwash their people into thinking they need it. Now, I know Media Matters is going to have a field day with that statement, but how else do you describe when our government is providing detailed instructions on, quote, framing the question, crafting the narrative, and finally how to socialize and adapt populations to the use of digital ID? I mean, it's like written by David Koresh. The European Union is way ahead of us on this, and you can all but guarantee that's their framework is going to be used to pursue it here. And if you're curious what that looks like, the EU made a cute little cartoon show and how it all works. The European digital identity will provide an easy way to share documents such as certificates, report an address change, prove our age, or fill in tax return wherever we are in Europe. We need to apply for our loan at the local bank, but I can't find our documents. Calm down. Paperwork is so 2020. We'll manage our digital identities using the European digital identity wallets. Have you seen my wallet? You mean this one? Ah, yes. No, that one. <laughs> the European digital identity wallets will enable us to store and exchange documents and legal information while fully controlling which data we want to share with whom. ID data sent. Credit rating sent. Income statement sent. Loan application done. A government-controlled identity system that knows where you are at all times. If you've traveled somewhere, the access to your banking, finances, access is to all of your data. I wouldn't trust somebody. I wouldn't give it to somebody I trust, somebody that I know. I wouldn't give that information to them, let alone a government. Imagine the power. Last night, something similar about the Founders Bible. It is the weapon of our time. Uh, looks like Wicked Psych says, let's uh, put all the politicians on digital track currency and see what they are spending, buying, and where their money comes from. Uh, and then uh, Southpaw says, I bought one for my son after the first episode you shared it uh, back when you were also doing Federal's Papers. Those were epic shows. Those were epic shows. Digital ID just makes me want to get more junk silver. It's time y'all to go get your gold and silver yeah exactly all right so so what is this yeah no you don't okay so while the government is oh saying that christians with their bibles are dangerous matt walsh has been tracking major publications the new york times uh the new york post Talking about polyamory. Now, this is goes back to Alfred Kinsey. He wanted people, he didn't want marriage. 
So you've got New York Magazine saying a practical guide for the curious couple of 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 multi love. It's not love. It's lust. It's disgustingness. It's perversion. How polyamorous mom had a big sexual venture and found herself from the New York Times. This is the junk they're peddling to you because this is a result of the same parents who have kids. They're, they're transing and cutting pieces of their arms out and, and trying to recreate something down there on their 15-year-old. So these people are so sick in the brain. And I'm telling you, Alfred Kinsey wanted this out in like the 30s and 40s, and people weren't quite ready for it. USA Today! Trash! They put that in the in Cincinnati Inquirer. Swingers want you to know a secret. Swinging is not just about sex. It's about relationships. Right. And love. No! Y'all be sick. Y'all be sick. Now, if get your kids out the room. Get your kids out the room. I'm going to play for you. Bring this up, please. Get your kids out the room. I'm not going to play very long. Remember when we talked about the, the, the airplane that had its door blown off and we blamed it on DEI and we had, I think it was United, I don't know, Alaska Airlines that had all the, the, um, the, the drag shows and, and the rainbows? Mm-hmm. The CEO of United is a drag queen. No, like a, and like a this one. is an employee <laughs> event where this is the CEO of United. Never fly United ever again. Never, never, never. This is Scott Kirby, CEO of United. This is an employee show. Hang on, wait. Employee. This is what they're spending money on. junk get him off oh my goodness and you want to know why these planes are having issues if anything they're cursed united has a fiduciary responsibility to its shareholders and the fact that the ceo of all people is behaving in this manner is grossly irresponsible but they are they want to know about my bible purchases how about you go track lady gaga wig purchases and drag queen breast prosthetic purchases because that this seems to be a danger to society. Can you tell? And you know what? I'm not even talking about some things. I'm going to talk about the J6 uh, bomb video that Thomas Massey put out, but I don't want to do it on Facebook. Linda says, Michelle, can you check the Rumble link? I can't get it on my phone or my Roku. Linda, it's working. I'm watching it. I don't know why Roku's not working. That's really frustrating. Ugh, that's frustrating. All right, commercial break. Bring up Kamala Cackle mm-hmm. Harris. Hey, am I going to need this? Yeah. Just skip it or close it? No, no, we're skipping that for, for another, for our okay, non-segment. Yeah, for when we say goodbye to Facebook. Okay. Nope. For when I'll we say it. goodbye How many over is it? to Facebook. I don't know. Nope. Nope. There, there she are. is. Oh, geez. All right. So this was, you know, I just love Kamala because every once in a while she just, she just makes me laugh. She just does. And I love it. Here she's talking about Gen Z and she loves Gen Z. 
She just loves Gen Z. Here we go. <laughs> and let me just tell you, I love Gen Z. I don't know if something, you know, I love Gen Z. <laughs> Why does she always look drunk? So, okay, for the older adults, this is going to be a humbling thing I'm about to share with you. Okay. If someone is 18 years old today, they were born in 2005. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, check that out. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> Wow. I see our college students. Kitty litter. <laughs> you know, I just went to the store and I got me some kitty litter. And the litter is a kitty. <laughs> Her jokes make no sense. She doesn't even know what she's saying. She's constantly always laughing. No matter what she says, it's so retarded. I think, you know what? you know how this went down, though. Kamala's like, old? she's talking to, no, no, no. She's talking to her people. She's, sit, she's literally sitting there, you know, on some sort of plane ride, and she's she's thinking about this. Okay. And she's going, oh, my gosh, you know, that's a really big deal. And then she she has a talk. She's like, I got an idea. We're going to showcase how smart I am. I can do some math. And I'm gonna sh- we're going to do a little math magic for everybody. Yeah. And she's so excited about this. And then she goes out and she delivers her line. And, and she li- was literally, so you can tell how <laughs> premeditated that was by how excited she was to deliver it. I know. She's just so dumb. That but she, that made her feel smart. But she knew. She thought it was going to be great. You know how when you get the the Jeopardy questions right on like a, like, not the 200 or the 400 or the 600. You get like an 800 question right and you feel really good. She, That's what she just felt right she there. She can't read a room when she gets a joke, though. I know. Right? <laughs> All right. You know who else can't read the room? Nikki Stinky Haley. Okay, so she comes in. Trump blows the, 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 the lid off of the Iowa caucuses, comes in record numbers. And um, DeSantis comes in second and Nikki Haley comes in third. Mm-hmm. And in Iowa. We're going to discuss how the Democrats are setting, trying to set Nikki Haley up to try to win the Iowa caucus, to, to try to win the Republican nominee. The Democrats are trying to set Nikki Haley up to win. So looking at like a lot of these primaries, you're going to see, especially in states that have open primaries like we do, you will see Democrats come out in mass. That happened with DeWine when we vote were when we had our, our our governor primary. We had three can we had uh four people on the ballot. DeWine, Renacy, uh Joe Blystone, and um should have been Neil. Candace Keller and um Ron Hood. Well, together, all the extra votes actually put together would have primary DeWine had somebody else in, exactly. as running as governor. Yeah. But Michelle and I were there voting in the primary for Candace Kelly and Ron Hood. And um, the lady in front of us, she was asked, do you want a Democrat or Republican? Because it's a primary ballot. Right. And she laughed and she goes, um, Republican today. Today. And yeah. she was... And that's what happened. It was at least about 150,000. And that's what will happen again. I guarantee you, in this Republican primary in Ohio, yeah, there will be hundreds of thousands of Democrats. Now, you don't, here's the thing though you don't get to vote in your, your primary, like a Democrat primary. You but only vote nobody, in one primary. But there's nobody but to vote there's for. There's no, exactly. So, so all it doesn't the Democrats, matter. if you were in it, so these Democrats are all across the country oh. are voting in, in open primaries. Wait a minute. Okay, what? I kind of feel a little dumb. Okay. But kind of smart. Okay. Dumb that I figured it out late. Smart, smart that I figured it out right now. Okay. Ready? Yeah. 
that's why they haven't put anybody forth besides Biden. They're waiting because they don't want people to go and vote in the D Democrat primaries. They want people to be free mm -hmm. to go ahead and vote in the Republican primary. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If they put forth somebody halfway decent. Well, that's why JFK is not running as a Democrat. He's running as an independent. He was running as a Democrat. RFK Jr. What did I say? JFK. He basically is the same guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So that's why um, Robert Kennedy Jr., uh, they 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 literally were sweating buckets mm -hmm. because they had a plan. They had this plan. Nikki Haley was their plan. Nikki Haley was their plan. They thought that they... Here's the thing. It doesn't mean that every single one of their plans is going to work, but they have contingencies. They have plans, just like J6 was a plan, and it worked beautifully for them. They were so... They keep patting themselves on the back. Go, Nancy mm -hmm. Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, you did it, the Capitol Police, and blah, blah, blah. They let him in. Woo! Right. Right? We rest in grandma. It's so exciting. Way to go. Fist bump and everything. Okay, so uh, they've got a lot of different plans, and I'm going to tell you their, what their plan is shaping up to be. Is number one, their first plan is Nikki Haley. Mm. If they can get her to win, and if they can get they Trump sidelined, right? Okay, the only way that they could get Nikki Haley to win the primary is by by taking Trump out, right? And they hope. But here's the thing, and and, and Tucker is going to break this down it's for us. Clearly, that's not going to work. Um, otherwise, exactly. But it's a plan, and it's, it's a, a good plan because plan. Nikki Haley will be. Um, they would rather a Nikki Haley than a Joe Biden, the elites. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They, they, She's definitely one of them. They want Nikki in. B Biden's done. They know and he's done. I think that this is this gets missed on a lot of Republicans because they still get they're so like head in the game like the and like or not like robotically enemy is Democrat em enemy is Democrat. I got two words for you, George Bush. George Bush. Okay. Literally for the past one hundred years. Well, Georgie Bush. It goes, we now go back to um, two times. Jennings Bryant, the late, 18, Bryant. late 1800s. Yeah, they. So it goes. It goes, it goes way back, back to William McKinley, right? It goes way back. J.P. Morgan, Rockefeller, and Carnegie got together and said, "We need to buy the president. Do we buy a Democrat? Or do we buy a Republican?" They didn't care about all the little policies. Yeah. They just wanted a president that they could control so, the things so you that matter to, to them. Nikki Haley is what BlackRock wants. It's yes. what the elites want because she'll do the big things, all the little other little BLM -y things and all that. doesn't matter. We fight over those things, transgender stuff. They don't care. That's to keep us fighting each Nikki other. Nikki will put in all the proper Supreme Court justices. She will put in all the proper judges. I mean, assuming one comes up in her, her and you she'll know, go to war. And she will go to war, which is the biggest deal. Yeah. Right. Uh, Major, it's been a very interesting night. They just finished uh, voting. This was a room in favor of Nikki Haley, overwhelmingly so. Ron DeSantis second, Donald Trump a distant third. The most interesting development of the evening, and Anthony Salvanto will, will find this to be very interesting indeed. They had 50 forms for people who wanted to register tonight or switch their party registration. They ran out of those forms. Members of the caucus team here had to run out to multiple people's homes to get printer paper and get their printers fired up. They printed another 25 or so sheets of paper. They estimate about 75 people were new registrations or switched their registration from Democrat to Republican in order to play in this caucus tonight. And I think that's a big reason why Nikki Haley uh, was lifted up. You're getting a little noise here as they clean up. Uh, was so uh, impressive in this particular outing. If she can repeat that, because we're talking about 20% of the vote here, thereabouts, give or take, 
uh, were new registrations or crossovers, and that is above the typical rate. You see estimates about 10% in a typical open caucus. So if she can outperform in counties like this one, at caucus sites like this one, then that bodes well okay, for her ability to have a strong second, which of course is what her campaign way, really wants uh, to drive the narrative Democrats in New Hampshire. That's their play. And then we, I, we have live on air a Nikki Haley donor accidentally reveals that the Democrats are behind Nikki Haley. This, <laughs> this is what they're doing. This is their play. They're spending, they have bottom, bottomless amounts of money for this. Uh, they're hoping because they see Nikki as the best thing to quote unquote, uh, to get those suburban uh, Republican votes because she comes across that they're who they the the elites want that she is they they picked her and and, and you know what uh, it's not it this is a this is a moment like where the Rockefellers are coming together and picking a candidate and they, and they're her she is their candidate. Can you read some comments here while I get this up? Yeah. All right. So uh, open primaries are a circus. Without the clowns, how can we get Ohio that to was stop from Scott these open, open primaries? Um, yeah. That's a great question. RFK Jr. is JFK. That's it. We've solved the mystery. Yep. Uh, open primaries is a uniparty operation. Uh, Iowa caucuses was real with no electronics. That's really interesting, Brenda, that you should point that out because they you had to vote in uh, day of in person. And they knew the results the day of. Amazing. Go figure. All right. You ready? Andy Sabin joins us right now, a big donor for Nikki Haley. Andy, very good to have you. Uh, the numbers certainly indicate that it's not hurt her fundraising. I believe in the latest quarter, uh, she raised $24 million, which is double what she raised in the quarter before, which was double what she had raised in the quarter before that. So the money train is still flowing and going. Um, are you worried, though? Thank you, Neil, for having me, and Happy New Year. I you didn't understand. Well. We actually have a large um, fundraiser on the 30th of January at a major apartment in uh, New York City where we're raising a tremendous amount of money. Believe it or not, a number of it coming from uh, Democrats. When you say a major apartment in New York City, whose apartment? Figure. I can't tell you. I, I'm sorry. I, I just uh, I wish I could tell you. you. Might, I can't. Maybe, maybe you could uh, whisper it to me now, just between you and me. Well, I, all I could tell you is one <laughs> of the biggest Democrats, who's one of my best friends, who you wouldn't okay. believe, who's never voted for a Republican, is a co-host of this benefit really? of this okay. fundraiser. All right. Now, there's a crowd and a number of Democrats who are not exactly, you know, enthusiastic about Joe Biden. They are sampling things around, short of another Democrat running to take on uh, the president or that he stepped down. They are kind of looking to maybe acceptable Republicans, maybe no labels. How much of that is real? I think a lot of this is real. When you see Nikki Haley, 17 points over Biden versus Trump at two to four, it has to be coming Democrats from somewhere. Yeah. So it's coming from Democrats and independents who don't want either Biden or Trump. And uh, she's surging right now. I would guess that after Iowa, if she comes in, like she yeah. says, uh, like the polls say at 20 and DeSantis is at 16 and uh, Vivaswamy is at five, I would bet... No that she will be the last person standing going in. She's got the money to do it. 
uh, DeSantis has spent $150 million. He put everything into Iowa, and he's about to lose. You know, and it's interesting, not all donors are, are, are flocking to Trump alternatives. Bruce Rastad, of course, a major Iowa Republican donor, has reaffirmed his commitment to Donald Trump. Others seem to be echoing that. Maybe it's because he looks like the inevitable Republican nominee. That's to be expected. Uh, but does Donald Trump to you, again, your financial support and, and, and your big friend support notwithstanding, does Donald Trump still look pretty inevitable to you? Or do you think that's premature? Well, you know, I think right now uh, the chances of Donald Trump winning the primary are excellent. But he's in such a precarious position with all the chaos, I don't know how it's going to end up. And he could easily implode over something that none of us have expected. Okay, you can stop. And it'd be nice yeah, to know that. Exactly. Uh, That's what they're looking for. That's what they're hoping for. They're hoping to keep Nikki in. They're hoping to kick DeSantis out. And they're hoping that Nikki will win on default. They know that she can't beat Donald Trump. This is one of their plays. So here we've got Donald Trump from his Iowa victory speech. Uh, and he's talking about the deportation level that we, we, we have uh, not seen uh, since, it, since Eisenhower, I guess, is what he's saying. And we're going to have to deport. We're going to have to have a deportation level that... We haven't seen in this country for a long time, since Dwight Eisenhower, actually. And we're going to have yeah, to deport. This. We're going to have to have a deportation right. level. Got, that I got several clips here up for, from uh, Donald Trumpy Bumpy. He says in this next clip, we're going to rebuild the capital of our country, Washington, D.C. We're going to scrub those beautiful marble columns and get the swastikas off of them. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? So, yeah, that's uh, Donald oh Trump's promise gosh. here. He's okay. going to scrub those beautiful buildings. He's going to scrub them, scrub them clean himself with a toothbrush. Yeah, I would love to see that, actually. I would pay money to see him. I would, too. That. All right, hang on. Let's rewind this. Nope. There we go. And we want a country of law and order. So we're going to rebuild the capital of our country, Washington, D.C. We're going to scrub those beautiful marble columns and get the swastikas off them. And we're going to scrub them and get the graffiti off them. And we're going to clean the streets and we're going to rebuild the streets. And we're not going to have rusted medians through the middle that are falling down into the roads where Foreign dignitaries from all over the world come and they look. And we're not going to be riding on top of garbage like I did just a month ago, riding on top of garbage. We're going to rebuild our beautiful Washington, D.C., and we're going to take control of it, and we're going to make unbelievably harsh penalties for people that go around shooting. Last week, they shot three people, and every night something happens. It's, uh, it's so sad. And likewise, we're going to rebuild our cities and we'll work with the Democrats to do it. I'd be glad to work with the people in New York. We're going to work with the people in Chicago and L.A. We're going to rebuild our cities and we're going to make them safe. All right. Hang on, we got one more. Yeah, we got this one here. Uh, this is Trump. I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from... Uh, zero, and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8%, and that's a, an amazing job. They all did. They're all very smart, very smart people, very capable people. I all Is Vivek the only one that he congratulated individually? He, no, Do we know? He con no, I've got, um, 
he uh, he congratulated um, all of them. They said they all ran a, a good a good race. Because we're still back at like Trump saying that he knows. Mm -hmm. Is this the one you want next? Um, yeah, this is Nigel. So Nigel was there stomping for Trump. I don't know. I, I, I got to hand it to Nigel. It's so cold. But he came all the way from the UK. You make it and, sound like uh, the UK is like beach and balmy. I just like, meant, uh, well, if you're going to be stumping for somebody in negative 20 degrees. Yeah. No, that's true. That's a really good point. It's pretty amazing. Handsome guy. From here. He's been a backer of mine from day one. I think called Brexit, very non-controversial. And you've been right, they haven't implemented too well, but you've been right. No, we're big fans. Thank you, Nigel. It's really an honor to have you here. Great. You look great. I love these suits. You really know how to dress over there. We don't know how to dress like they do. Thank you. Great honor, man. Nikki Haley even supported Rhino. Okay, so oh, here, they played that on GB News. Uh, yeah, excellent. here we've got uh, President Trump's first interview since his historic Iowa victory. Biden is it's like three or four over. Okay. Um, Biden is a threat to democracy. He is dangerous, and I uh, agree with that. I think you guys would too. I'm gonna bring up some comments. I had a dream back in 2016. Washington D.C. was not the capital, and was like someplace school children went on uh, study tours to learn the true history, like old camps in Germany. Oh, wow. The amount of money spent in politics and getting elected is disgusting. So many better uses for it. Mm. Ah, God is going to take Haley completely out. Watch what happens very soon. Hmm. You know, sometimes this, you can read the names of the people. Scott, oh, I'm just reading through. Scott says, uh, the same contractors that are moving the illegals into the country are now signing the contracts to move the illegals out of the country. Pay to play, in and out. Mm. Hmm away from the people. Now, Biden is a threat to democracy. He's an absolute threat to democracy. He's very dangerous for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's grossly incompetent, which is the number one reason. But he's also actually in his own way. It's not him. It's the people that surround him. You got some very bad people surrounding him at that desk. You have people running the Department of Justice surrounding him. They're young and they're smart and they're communists and they're Marxists and they're fascists. And they're running this country. They're running it right into the ground, away from the people. Now, Biden is a threat to democracy. He's an absolute threat to democracy. He's very dangerous for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's it's playing again. Sorry. So mom says uh, they're building trust. That is why the guy from J.P. Morgan came out standing up for MAGA people. Diamond. Uh, it's all very insincere. It's a ploy. It's a con. It's an act to gain the trust of the people. Remember, these are sociopaths. Mass murder is their goal, and this is the manipulation of your emotions. As soon as they release their X virus, they will grab power back, and a lot of people will give it. Mm. Absolutely true. Uh, Scott says Trump must be on the carnivore diet. He's lost a lot of weight. Yeah, he's or the doing stress the diet. He's not. not it's highly I don't effective. think he is. Speaking of carnivore diet, you can play this one. Oh, I already I, got this queued up. Okay, go ahead. Play, cue that, play that one. Okay. This is Trump in New Hampshire? Yes. Yeah, so the, the next one's New Hampshire. Okay. Awesome. So now he's in New Hampshire. So there he's talking about Nikki Haley and the crossover votes. Yeah. Dems voting for Republicans. People behind Nikki Haley are pro-amnesty. They're pro-China. They're pro-open borders. You know, she wants open borders. Don't kid yourself. Pro-war. And they're pro-Biden because those are the people that are sending them... Biden people are coming in. They have Biden stuff, and they're coming in to register and to, to vote in your primary. It is crazy. You got to get that changed. We're going to mm -hmm. take it. If we weren't popular, how do you win? Where everybody's allowed basically to come and vote. 
The enemy, which let's say in this case, until it's over, because you know the whole country is going to unify by its success. When we're successful, the country is going to be unified. We are going to unify our country through success. But right now, we don't want Democrats voting in the Republican primary, Sununu. Sununu ought to do that instead of walking around with Nikki Haley and her polls go down every day. The radical left Democrats are supporting Nikki Haley because they know she's much easier to beat than Trump. And you know what? If she were, they wouldn't be doing it. But you know, they're great disinformation people. Misinformation, disinformation. You know, they're almost the same, but not quite. But let's not go into definitions right now. They're very close, actually. A lot of people still don't understand it. But I give them credit for both. But they are, they are literally, what they're doing is they're, they will say, we want to run against Trump so bad. In the meantime, they're sending all their people to vote for Nikki Haley. The reason they do that is they want to run against Nikki Haley. Usually when they say something, it's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So I know what they're doing. You know what they're Food. doing. Food. It's the most nutritious. Uh, but I also, I thought this, speaking of carnivore diet. Oh, dear. I thought this was a great uh, clip here. Superfood. It's the most nutritious food on earth. All the ruminant meats included. I'll explain. There is no other single source of food that provides as many benefits as does ruminant meat. Let's review what you get when you eat beef. L-carnitine, glutathione, phosphorus, zinc, calcium, copper, iron, magnesium, manganese, potassium, selenium, creatine, fatty acids, conjugated linoleic acid, vitamin B12, B3, B6, B2, B5, carnosine, protein. There are no causation studies indicating harm from beef consumption. There are several misleading correlative studies that attempt, but the truth remains. You simply cannot find another food source that has as many beneficial nutrients. Super. So I need a hamburger and a steak ASAP. Really? Because earlier you played the fish and then I wanted the fish. Mm, okay. No, I get it. All right, so we're going to say goodbye to Facebook because I want to talk about, before we sign off, and I don't want the, the program to go too much too much longer, uh, I want to talk about this pipe, pipe bomb and this new video that Glenn Black is actually going to break down and Tucker Carlson and Warren, uh, Warren Beatty, uh, Darren Beatty broke <laughs> down. And I actually have the, uh, the clip here uh, for, for us to kind of walk through together on this pipe bomb uh, footage that really shows that they were not concerned. So, Michelle, you want to give some updates before we say goodbye? I to do. Facebook? I absolutely do, actually. Okay, so the Dan Patch revival. So that has as many beneficial oh my superfood. It's the most nutritious food on earth. Right All I know where he's playing. <laughs> okay, hang on. So, I'm learning this new software. And it's because that shouldn't even be playing. Wait, there it is. Okay, let me remove him i'm gonna i'm gonna remove he doesn't this. exist the beef guy's gone okay you gotta go. take all those out huh no it's fine okay so um new software is great anyway the dan patch revival is going to be taking place february 10th 10th so what like, like three weeks away three four yeah. weeks away yeah three weeks in Oxford, Indiana. So you have plenty of time to make your plans. You want to get your plane tickets. We're giving you even more time. I mean, if you have been praying about this, at this point, you know whether you want to come or not. I don't really need to push why you need to come. But if you do need a touch or a move of God and you want hands laid on you, you just want to worship and you just want kind of an awesome boost of the Holy Ghost. This week we did a boost of the Holy Ghost with David Hevner. 
we did do a boost to the Holy Ghost of Devin Heavener. And and the first half of that, Patriot Gallery has already grabbed and uploaded on our Rumble channel. So you guys can go and check that out. It was a really fun interview with David talking about speaking in tongues and um, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. And then last Saturday, we had a phenomenal, very interesting and wild. Those are words I think I can use. Yeah. Prayer revival program with Scott Kesterson and a couple of uh, uninvited guests. Abigail won't be with us because she's having her own revival at her house. That's right. Yes, she is. We'll be praying with Abigail and her, uh, her, speaking of Iowa, the Iowa caucuses, her cousin's coming in from Iowa and it's going to be really great. So praying with them. But tomorrow night, and I don't have um, the flyer up for this, but I do actually have it made. It's on resistancechicks.com on the show and event calendar. Um, For tomorrow night, we're going to do another Zoom. Okay. I think it is going to be Zoom, and I'm counting on, look at you making that face. I don't have a, I literally don't have a better way to do this. Muslims coming back? I don't think so, because what happened is we blasted that Zoom link out everywhere. Like Nikki, God bless Nikki, I love her, and, and I wanted her to do this. She shared that Zoom link everywhere, everywhere, on all of the Bard's places. And, I, and Scott is followed by a whole host of amazing people. So... This time, the Zoom link is going to be on resistancechicks.com. Okay. And I may be able to put it behind. I, I, I probably can. I just have to figure this out. Like an akismet, some sort of non-bot type deal. I might be able to do that. You can't put a password? I always get a password. And the password is... Right. But if I post the password, then they have the password. But then they have to put in the password. Okay. Yes. Of... I will make the password. What, Mom? Uh, okay. Lynette's commercial. I will... I will. Yes. Password is going to be I love Jesus. He is Lord. And is I love savior. bacon. He is my He's, savior. Yeah. And um, what else could we have? We could make it really, really long. We could. You could, uh, you know, whatever it is. I turn my back on Allah, you know, whatever. Yeah. But see, they have that tequila thing that they're allowed to do. So, and I love well, bacon. Well, I know, but to say that I, uh, I love Jesus is my savior. So I'm Patriot Gallery. Oh, land. oh, mom. Hang on a second. Let me grab, she, I think she did another one that I really liked. So Patriot Gallery is amazing. I don't know if you guys have known, if you have noticed, but she is. She's my mom and I love her. She has made a new commercial that I want to grab here for, um, copy the link, Michelle. There we go. Leah, tell them about the commercial while I get it loaded. All right. So you guys know we love ITM trading and we love Lynette and we want you guys to call all of you who have any sort of retirement or savings and give them a call and... Just get a free strategy call and help them walk you, you through changing over your dead, dying, you know, 401k savings to um, real, honest money. You know what and I saving. love about this is so funny. And it's, okay, I don't have that one right now. But we have commercials on our commercial. We that's what I was just laughing at. So so okay. Rumble is. Um, is Rumble, and right? Commercials. And they have commercials, which actually, eventually I will get money out of or something, I'm sure. Um, but so there's commercials on the commercials, and I'm sorry about that. But okay. Patriot Gallery put this together. So, Lynette, if you play one more time. Okay, here we go. It's just going. Talk about the failure of the dollar. 
I'm Lynette Zhang, Chief Market Analyst at ITM Trading, a student, a banker, and a stockbroker. After all, the dollar's been around since you were born. The fact that according to the Federal Reserve, there is only three cents of purchasing power left in the U.S. dollar. The FDIC only has a little more than one penny in reserve for every insured dollar in the FDIC insured banks. The money of the U.S. began to transition in 1913. Governments and corporations had two key goals. Number one, governments wanted to be able to tax the public invisibly and without legislation. And number two, corporations wanted to pay employees less, but they had to do it invisibly. Building inflation into the currency accomplishes both those goals. The 20th of an ounce of gold coin, which is about half the size of my pinky fingernail, or this one ounce silver, or a dollar bill. All of them at that time would buy 11 loaves of bread. Either be a dollar, maybe it buys a quarter of a loaf. The silver dollar still buys you 11 loaves of bread. The $1 gold coin buys you, the last time I checked, about 135 loaves of bread. There we go. Excellent job. So what so what, what Patriot Gallery did is Lynette did like a five minutes thing. Yeah. And she cut it down, boom, to that little commercial, which so I absolutely love. I got a really love. interesting email from ITM Trading. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So uh, they had on David Webb uh, of The Great Taking, which I am almost through. And I do recommend you guys get, uh, you can actually get this free. It's a free PDF download. Um, I went ahead and got the paper version because um, I am a writer inner and underliner er uh, helps me to retain. Uh, I hope to get him on our show, the great taking uh, of how they the, the the powers that be. This is why we're trying to tell you guys to get into um, anything but uh, fiat. But what's interesting about this is one thing Matt said. Um, I guess David Webb was on with Mike Adams. He's going on a lot of shows, and he's talking about how they're able to take your house and your car. I'm going to read this email that I got back. When we first discussed with David Webb the idea of an interview and additional videos for the great taking, such as Taylor Kennedy's recent summary, uh, our objective was always to increase awareness and spark discussions on how to take action. This, of course, has been the cornerstone of our business for over 28 years. These videos generated an overwhelming response through comments, calls, emails, and we're deeply grateful to everyone who took the time to engage and share the content. The second most common, first is below, question that kept coming up was, how can they take my property, such as my car, if it's paid off and has no lien? So we contacted David directly to understand whether this was an analogy or a real possibility, and we wanted to share his response. The car dealership is an analogy. Vehicles, homes, land, etc., owned with no debt would not be taken through this mechanism. They should be safe initially. However, for townships uh, that were to incur debt, which is secured by the rate base, secured creditors could obtain control in a crisis and would then have the power to raise taxes, potentially taxing people off of their land. Wow. If unopposed, the bank's powers will be able to extend strategies to take property so people can perhaps avoid being the first to fall, but ultimately there will be no place to hide from a global totalitarian state. Private control of the Fed and other central banks must be ended. This is my urgent message. Regarding David's initial initially comment, History is rife with stark examples of property taxes becoming so oppressive that people lost their land. The late Roman Empire, 
uh, the 16th to 17th century England, Depression-era America, Argentina's post-devaluation crisis in the early 2000s. Additional concerns have revolved around eminent domain laws or the government using people's land or assets as collateral. The immediate concern remains market manipulation, the transition to digital systems facilitating as asset seizure, laws favoring Wall Street, creditors over Wall Street creditors over Main Street citizens, and the groundwork being established for central bank digital currency, CBDCs, which would allow full control and further manipulation of all dollar-denominated wealth in the system. So the most common question was, what can we do? Here's your simple action plan. Empower yourself and others. Conduct your own thorough research. Verify your information and sources. Stay ahead of economic threats and expose corruption by getting the message out far and wide, which is what we try to do. Risk, reduce risk exposure. Plan strategically for multiple scenarios. Have backup food and water supplies in case more shortages come. Safeguard your assets and retirement accounts to minimize risk and weather financial storms through this transition. Utilize safe havens. Consider diversifying into tangible proven assets that offer privacy, protection, performance, and a reliable hedge against hyperinflation, currency devaluations, and economic resets. Whether you're looking for accurate or up-to-date information on these unfolding economic challenges or seeking effective strategies or solutions to protect your assets in retirement, we are here to guide you through the process. And you can call ITM Trading. You can use our number. But what's really interesting is in this book, uh, he uh, dives pretty deeply into how... Um, the, the 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 move off of gold and the bank closure, the bank holiday that FDR had, you know what? You know what we're gonna do? This is so incredibly nefarious. Okay, so to give an example, the author was from Cleveland. Cleveland was Rockefeller Central. Cleveland was the site of the first Federal Reserve Bank. It had the largest hinge in the world on its vault. It was so big. What, what were they planning to put in this vault? America's gold as they began to confiscate it. Yeah. There are machine gun turrets on top of this bank. No bank in history ever had machine gun turrets on top of turrets. this turrets on top of this bank. So they knew from the very initial inception of 1913, the Federal Reserve, they knew in order to get their fiat currency out there, they were going to have to confiscate the gold. They had to put the gold somewhere. So they created a bank in 19, I believe, um, 1922. Uh, they, they built the Federal Reserve Bank with that large hinge. With that large hinge, before... The, before so wait, I thought it was in Cleveland. Was it a Federal Reserve Bank in Cleveland? The very first Federal Reserve Bank was in Cleveland. That's fascinating. And 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 it was... Um, so the history of it, it wasn't greed. I thought it was greed. No, it's all about power. So you've got... The Fed admits it caused, actually, in a Wikipedia article regarding the Great Depression, the Fed's... Uh, odd behavior in recent years leading up to the bank holiday and says that the money the monetary explanations by american economists morgan freeman and ann uh schwartz they argue that the great depression was caused by the banking crisis that caused one-third of all banks to vanish a reduction of bank shareholder wealth and more importantly monetary contraction of 35 percent which they called the great contraction by not lowering interest rates, by not lowering rates, and by not injecting liquidity into the banking system to prevent it from crumbling, the Federal Reserve passively watched the transformation of a normal recession into a Great Depression. The Federal Reserve allowed some pu large public bank failures, particularly that of the New York Bank of the United States in 1930, which produced panic and widespread runs on local banks. And the Federal Reserve sat idly by while the banks collapsed. 
Friedman and Schwartz argued that if the Fed had provided emergency lender to these key bank, lending to these key banks or simply bought government bonds on the open market to provide liquidity and increase the quantity of money after the key banks fell, all the rest of the banks would not have fallen. Now, this view was endorsed in 2002 by the Federal Reserve Governor Ben Bernanke in a speech honoring Friedman and Schwartz. says, let me end my talk by abusing slightly my status as an official representative of the Federal Reserve. I would like to say that Milton and Anna, regarding the Great Depression, you're right. We did it. We're very sorry. Wow. But thanks to you, we won't do it again. Oh, my gosh. As this, ancient, as this is ancient history, it was safe for Bernanke uh, to make such an admission. But more to the point, it would allow him to posture as a wise man who studied the mistakes of the Federal Reserve and said, we're sorry. We're sorry we destroyed your lives. We're sorry. We're sorry. We'll never do it again. We've studied. We've made sure we're not going to do it again. All lies. Contrary to the image of FDR as savior, the people in my family, this is the author here, Webb, who, and, who lived through the 1930s considered FDR to be something like Satan himself, and they were not religious people. Here's an interesting quote. The Emergency Banking Act of 1933 passed by Congress on March 9th combined with the Federal Reserve's commitment to supply unlimited amounts of currency to reopen banks created de facto 100% deposit insurance. But what they did was they uh, they only allowed Federal Reserve banks to open up and those who were connected to the Federal Reserve. So here's what happened. Even very, very wealthy people had no money. Mm -hmm. They had to pull their kids from private schools, right. couldn't couldn't put them through sports, couldn't they couldn't buy anything because there was no money. Because what happened what happened is if you had your money in one of these lesser banks, one of these smaller banks, the, the government picked winners and losers just like they did in 2008, where they literally picked GM dealers that got to stay open and what didn't stay open. And we know that because Jim Renese had a large uh, GM dealership with 1,000 employees in northern Ohio, and they chose his to, to fail. And that's why he ran for, run for Congress, because they literally said, you're done. The government bought a car dealership and said, you're done. We don't talk about that. Right. We don't talk about that. And they did that they, with they banks. They picked the winners and they picked the losers. But guess what they also did? You still, if you owed anything to anyone, you still owed the debts, but you had no money. But guess what? Those other banks were insured up to 100%. Mm -hmm. So if you had your money in one of those other banks, you were perfectly fine. So what they did was a great, absolute great wealth transfer. And this is what this says. But they don't need any money because what, what they want to do now is not confiscate your gold, but confiscate your stuff. Mm -hmm. But they don't need your stuff. They don't need your refrigerators. They don't have a vault for all of the stuff they're going to take. This is about control. It's a deliberate strategy. It's about ultimate complete power, allowing no centers of what? Resistance. And so it was about deprivation, about subjugation. And it still is in more ways that we know. It's not about helping people. And it's not about, it wasn't helping people then. It was not now. It is all about the same deliberate hurting humanity and elimination of any pockets of resilience which plagues us still. While Cleveland is now a crumbling city because what they did, and it was a center of incredible prosperity up until the 1920s. The Federal Reserve Bank building in Cleveland was completed in 1923, less than 10 years after the signing of the Federal Reserve ba Act. So you had the signing in 1913. Yeah. The bank completed in 1923. And then in 1933, they shut down all the banks. And then when they reopened, boom. Winners and losers. Winners and losers. It seems they were preparing to put a lot of stuff in there. 
a lot of stuff in there. And that is what they are doing right now. That's why this book is called The Great Taking. This is not about the hoarding of gold. And we'll talk more, children. Story time. <laughs> Story time with Leah on the Story time with theft Leah. of the nation's money. So we're saying goodbye to the book of the face and come with us because you want to see this pipe bomb video. It's going to be the last part, last thing we do, I think, on this show tonight. Okay, so I have put the link to Rumble, but if you just want to type in rumble.com forward slash resistance chicks, that will get you there. All right, so Michelle's got me a video that I put together for you guys so that you could see. Now, what you're going to see when you do this, when you watch this video. So Glenn Beck is going to be talking about the discovery of this pipe bomb mm -hmm. on a bench, okay? But it turns out that the per we didn't know who discovered it. Now we know it was a Capitol Police officer. Mm -hmm. But he goes up, and what I want you to just kind of watch, the, the, the way he describes it is not exactly the same timing frame, but it's close enough. I've got the two. The, the two were actually just happened to be seven minutes long. Okay. Oh. So what you're going to see is that th this is the Secret Service vehicles, is what you're going to see, okay? Mm -hmm. And the Capitol Police officer goes and knocks on the door, and they're eating their lunch. And Kamala Harris, this is the DNC building, right? Kamala Harris is in the building. And I want you to note their lack of any sort of um, fear mm -hmm. at all when they hear that the Vice President of the United States is in this building, 20 feet away, there's a pipe bomb. And then you're also going to see that they do not shuttle the, these kids cross the road and go right in front of this this bomb on this park bench now you're you also know that the that, that that the secret service supposedly swept the area before she came in but a passerby just saw it sitting out there now you'll also notice and i don't have this one up yet is glenn pointing all this stuff out and you're just like saying it kind of say it again kind of but i want you to understand something okay uh what you're not going to see um and i don't know if you want to bring this one in first i can just i can just describe it the FBI training materials of a pipe bomb have, 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 have a pipe bomb with a little one of those old-fashioned kitchen timers on it. And it just so happens that the pipe bomb found has one of those old-fashioned kitchen timers on it. And it looks exactly like uh, what you would, um, you would think of when uh, you're doing the, the, the FBI training materials. And I'll sh we can show it to him afterwards. Okay. So go ahead and play this video. It's government at this point. I don't trust a damn thing they say. And you shouldn't. Let me give you this story. This broke yesterday uh, from The Blaze. Thomas Massey. Got Blaze Media can now reveal that the person who discovered the pipe bomb at the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, D.C. on January 6th was a United States Capitol Police plainclothes officer. Mm. Now, let me, ref let me refresh you on this. There were two pipe bombs that were found on January 6th. The FBI, mm. with all of their resources, all of the surveillance video, cannot find who, who planted those bombs. Luckily, one was found by a passerby, the first one, at the RNC headquarters. Some woman apparently ran in and said, I think there might be a pipe bomb in the alley. And they were like, oh, we've got to call the police. The police came and said, yes, it's a pipe bomb. But it didn't go off. In fact, the details that we have show that it probably wasn't really designed to go off. But it had like that kitchen timer. Then, just a few minutes later, another passerby 
was walking by a park bench right in front of the DNC headquarters, and they spotted what they thought was a pipe bomb. And so they immediately ran in and said, hey, I think I found a pipe bomb, and the Secret Service freaked out. They went out, and then they started, they gathered that pipe bomb. They're like, look, John, it is a pipe bomb. And the other guy was like, Tom, that's crazy. I wonder who put that there. Should we get the vice president out? No, let's leave her inside. Okay, so, so far, I've got quite a tale, I'm telling you. Now, let me add something else. Um, All of the text traffic and all of the, um, the diary, if you will, that the Secret Service keeps on... January 6th, it was all accidentally deleted. Damn it. Oh, really? Did I push delete? I didn't mean to do that. I deleted all of it. Oh, crap. So they can't tell us exactly what happened. They can't tell us exactly why Kamala Harris left. She was at the Capitol waiting for the, um, you know, waiting for the you know, the, the vote on the, the presidency to finalize that. She was supposed to be there. Remember, she's a member of the Senate, too. She's the tiebreaker. But she was suddenly called away, and nobody can recall why. And she had to go to the DNC headquarters. Why? We don't know. Probably something very important, though. And so the Secret Service rushed her in, got her in. They did a check of the whole area. They didn't find a pipe bomb. But this passerby, who just is a passerby, he found a pipe bomb. Secret Service couldn't. But the passerby found it because it was sitting right there in a way that it looked like so it was, was meant to be discovered. To the, to the white vehicle. Well, we've tried to find out who this guy is, this passerby, this innocent guy who had a sharp eagle eye and found that sitting on the sidewalk right in front of the park bench all by himself, found out who he was. Um, He was a D.C. Metro police officer. Now, why wouldn't the D.C. uh, or Capitol police officer, why wouldn't everyone want you to know that it was a police officer that found that instead of just a passerby? It would lend more credibility, wouldn't it, Stu? It wasn't just some some old lady that's like, I think that's a pipe bomb. It's got a timer on it. No, no, no. This is a credible, this is a D.C. cop. Right. Like you can see a couple of officers sitting there. Some random person comes up, maybe not appearing credible. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a bomb over there. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks, sir. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. But if it's a D.C., or, uh, it was Capitol Police out. Officer, right? Capitol uh, Police yeah. Officer, plain clothes. Yep. You'd think, Almost okay, later. well, this person's very credible. We better get the Almost vice later. president out of here immediately. Right. Now, here's what happened. We now know that the United States Capitol Police plainclothes officer walked by, just happened to look down there on the sidewalk, and there was the pipe bomb. So he walked a full 20 feet to the SUV of the Secret Service. And he knocked on the passenger window and then talked to him for a while. And then casually walked around to the driver's side, and they rolled it down, and they talked some more. And what he said was, hey, 
right over there, about 20 feet from where we're sitting, I found a pipe bomb. Now, Secret Service, what do they do? Of course, they jump out. They call the bomb squad. They get one of those little robot things to pick it up so it doesn't go off and kill somebody. And they get the the first thing they do is they get Kamala Harris away from the area. It's 20 feet away from her motorcade. Whoa, what a close call that was. Except that's not what they did. They left Kamala Harris in the building. And, um, you know, before they took a look at that pipe bomb, they finished their lunch in the car. I mean, do we know where the lunch came from? I mean, no, sometimes they're, you Look, know. dude, it's hot. I, I mean, I've had cold lunches all week. This is the only time we've had to eat our lunch and while it's still hot. <laughs> and if it could be something like off the Taco Bell craveable menu. Could be. It just could be something so delicious. Could they were like, be. Eh. But there it was, 15 to 20 feet away from the bomb, and they, they fed their face first. It's weird. It is weird. It's a weird decision. Yeah. And uh, a weird that the the Capitol Police and the uh, congressional hearings didn't include the fact that that was a police officer. Yeah, so they, they finished their lunch. They, had, they let some kids walk by. Mm-hmm. They just let them walk by. They didn't be like, hey, get back, go back, go back. Could, you know what I mean? Yeah. They didn't go immediately and go get her. They were very nonchalant about the whole thing. Yeah. And I like what Stu says there. It's just weird. So Maybe did you want, the, the did you want to show really this pipe good. bomb with the kitchen timer? Yeah. You can show it. Yeah. So here it is. Um, and uh, Jack Posobiec shows the, um, the the FBI training manual there. Looking, you know. With the pipe bombs. Like they, they, they don't have a lot, I think, of ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Like they can't think beyond like. If I were like a fake criminal, maybe I would be like the fake criminals that we tell people to look for. Yeah. I'm going to put a kitchen timer on there. Yeah. Because those are easy to find. <laughs> I don't even think you can get them at the dollar store anymore. Like Not those was... ones. No, not those are hard to find these days. So that's an old fashioned crook right there. Yeah, an old fashioned crook. <laughs> and we've never even been told yet if they even work. Uh, a couple more things. Uh, in November, the city of Phoenix uh, allowed something called, uh, no, just, I thought it was in November, I guess just now, just in, in January, I guess it's really cold, allowed no pants light rail day to take place. A group of adults rode public transportation in their underwear. Some of them wore fetish gear. Children were present. This is horrific. No pants, no pants, and then you had children okay, are, with people's Can I even weebies. show this? Well, this was on public transportation with toddlers. You better be able to share it. Okay. You better be able to share it. Public transportation. This is the city of Phoenix. Your guide to Phoenix No Pants Light Rail Day 2024, revealing everything to know about the return of the Metro Phoenix infamous pants-free event. With people, take it off. Underwear. Oh, my. You're not going to leave that very long okay that's the city of phoenix wow the city of phoenix did that to children oh my god child and you know what it's adult abuse i don't want to be in a train like that no i don't want to be in a train like that no all right so in ohio uh our bill made some uh news house of over the house of representatives overrides the governor's veto uh we're going to see on january 24th how that's going to turn out hopefully 
But what many people don't realize was that HB 68 included a provision, and that was the bill, the SAFE Act in Ohio that Governor DeWine vetoed, that would prevent courts in Ohio from taking away someone's children just because the parent refuses to allow their child to engage to change genders and mutilate their bodies. I hope the Senate follows our lead and overrides the governor's veto, veto breaking. New proposed bill in Maine says the state can take custody of a kid mm. if the parents oppose the child's sex change surgery and the chemical castration of children. Tomorrow, a committee will decide if this bill moves forward. And then it lists uh, the committee members' emails. The bill authorized a court to take temporary jurisdiction because a child has been unable to obtain gender-affirming health care. Wow. Now, Ali Besucki, and I tweeted it out too, showed a picture. And I think it's important. Is it on your Twitter? It is. I will find it. Showed a picture. See if I can find her. Of what what, what they do when they put... Oh yeah, that that you sent to Scott and us. Yeah, when with the they, arm, with the arm, it's really disturbing. You know, it's interesting because yesterday I took my uncle to um, my chiropractor for the first mm. time. So we were kind of going over Uncle Jack's medical history, and Uncle Jack had tongue cancer, mm-hmm. and so they cut half of his tongue off, literally oh, off. I guess it's gone. And um, well, I, you know what? Let's. I can just do it this way. Here it is. No, it's not. No. Um, I'll just show it to him on the phone. It's better that it's maybe a little bit garbled anyway. Um, they took half of his tongue off and then they took a big chunk of his forearm. Okay. A big chunk of meat from his forearm Mm because it's the best meat on the, the human body. Mm -hmm. And they literally reconstructed his tongue. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating that they could do this. Then they took a sod farm of just skin Mm -hmm. from the top of his thigh to repair the, uh, the, the arm, the forearm there. Now, when we went and we saw uncle Jack, Right after surgery, it was really, really traumatizing, especially for his sons. I don't think they were quite prepared for what they were going to find. There were wound vacs, right, all over Uncle Jack's arm and his leg. He had a trach and a feeding tube, okay? And when we had to take care of Uncle Jack after that, it was intense 24-hour care. We split it in four shifts between um, myself, you, and well, actually, it was two shifts, really. It was Matt and my mom taking the night shift and you and I taking the day shift. We had to um, suck the, the gunk out of his trach. We had to do his feeding tube on a schedule. We had to grind pills and put it through the feeding tube. But one of the most traumatic parts of what we had to do was trauma care for trauma, trauma level care for his arm and his leg. Okay, so what, what I, the picture that I'm about to show you guys is um, this is a they what they've done is they took the sod farm from a little girl's um, arm to create a fake male genitalia. Yes. And it's so traumatic to even see this. What really bothered me about this photo and I want to show you guys this and, you know, I hate to I hate to show it to you, but I'm going to. This looks way worse. Than this Uncle looks Jack's worse. Was. Oh, let's pull it up here. This is actually Don't turn it sideways. Oh, I can't. Okay, that's fine. Keep it. This is actually worse than it looks like a doll, right? Uh-huh. Than what they did to my uncle. Because yeah. what they did to my uncle is they only took a small section. Mm-hmm. They have taken because they need more meat. Because this was a half of a tongue versus trying to create an entire piece, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, an entire not just piece, an entire male genitalia. Mm-hmm. They have taken all of her arm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then there's clearly the... the. And um, I can't imagine a doctor doing this. Yeah. 
I cannot. It's already hard enough to this do surgery is, on somebody. But if you this you, makes that doctor it's a, a monster. monster. Okay, it's a monster. if you have to do it to save someone's life because of their tongue, that's a little bit different. Yeah. But when you're doing this. Um, and I have a dream that I haven't shared with Leah yet. I'm going to do a separate video on this dream that I had mm -hmm. last night about transgenderism. Um, it's really, really intense mm -hmm. from last night. But I can tell you this. God is not happy. Mm. And this thing is going to turn around. Okay, amen. We can't it can't continue like this because they we can't live in a society where they are mutilating children mm -hmm. and we as a society accept it. It's just not going to, it's not going to continue. God yeah. is not going to allow it. But that was just really, really intense for me having lived the, the, the type of surgery where they do that mm -hmm. and they take that prime meat from your... And let me tell you, let me tell you this. This is what's even more disturbing than anything. Let's say it's flesh. It's meat. Muscle. I, I really, if I could get Uncle Jack down here instantaneously to show you guys this, it never grows back. Mm -hmm. So you saw how it looked like a doll. It's just sucked in. It's, okay. it's just It'll sucked just in. It's going to, so this, this person is going to never back. have that muscle back ever. It mm -hmm. does not. It'll come back some. But by and large, for my uncle, when you she look at his two arms, arm anymore. she will not have the muscle. You need that muscle. Mm -hmm. This is literal Terminator level child abuse. Child abuse. That's mm -hmm. all I have to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? Mm -hmm. That's the whole show? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, Leah. Good job. I feel like we're missing something. Nope. Okay. We just didn't do it all. On, we didn't do it for Brideon, So Wow. Okay, so, so that was it. Yeah. But I didn't play the second one. I had I had a little. The clip China here. is committing climate warfare. Oh well, we can play that one. Yeah, I promised that on the front half of the show. Um, uh, I have a clip here from uh, Infowars, um, uh, from Dane Wigington on China doing um, uh, in chemical like climate warfare. Yeah. Okay. Let me play this. Just give me one second. Yeah. To get let's get rid of this one the pipe bomb. and actually um I have well, actually, uh, I have a clip this way. from mom mm -hmm. sent me uh from Timcast where you had uh Tim Pool and um Candace Owens and Vivek Ramaswamy all talking about this Ohio representatives overriding oh, wait, overriding this, this uh virtual, veto bill which is a pretty powerful clip we could finish with that one actually okay forgive the, me I do have it I just need to get it skewed here okay well you should, you, uh, we talked last week about the closing uh, of Eagle Pass to federal uh, officials. Texas authorities began arresting illegal migrants at Shelby Park in Eagle Pass on Wednesday after the state's attorney general defied a cease and desist letter sent by the Biden administration demanding officials right. stop wow. blocking the U.S. Border Patrol agents from the site. Uh, the arrests were announced by Lieutenant Chris Olivares at the Texas Department of Public Safety. Safety. Oliveras said single adult migrant men and women were taken into state custody and charged with criminal trespassing under Greg Abbott's new state law, which allows police to arrest and charge people suspected of entering the country illegally. The measure was passed in December and is set to go in effect in March, but is currently subject to a legal challenge by the Justice Department. The Biden administration has issued a warning. It is not immediately clear how many arrests were made by Texas officials. However, the detentions mark the first of their kind since Texas state authorities earlier this month took control of Shelby Park, roughly a roughly 2.5 mile portion of the U.S.-Mexico border that serves as a hotbed for illegal migration. Wow. 30 degrees warmer, 5,000 feet up in the atmosphere. That's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. It's climate engineering creates a cold, dense layer of air that descends to the surface, Maria, and, and thus you get these ice storms that we have in the transition between the flows of moisture that in the U.S. they're using to fuel these 
theatrically named winter storms, and you have an ice storm transition zone between the warmer flows of moisture and the frozen material by the time it hits the surface. So we see loads of traffic accidents. And again, the, the flash freeze scenarios that we, we see occurring, they, they target certain areas to pile up snow to make uh, sensationalized headlines. But then we have the whiplash right back to the opposite extreme, and that's what we're facing now. But winter weather warfare, not speculation. Chinese government openly announced that they were engaged in this. All forms of major media covered it, The Guardian, CNN, MSNBC, Popular Science, Fox News. When they chemically nucleate cloud moisture, a cold, dense layer of air descends to the surface. This tends to be a very penetrating cold. It's, it's very, very um, low to the touch. The, the temperatures we've had with some of the frozen material that falls, Maria, can be 10, 15, 20 degrees colder than the ambient temperature of the air around it. How is that possible? Again, it's a chemical freeze. Same as you have a, a first aid kit on your shelf for 20 years at room temperature, you mix that cold pack chemical together, you have ice instantly. And that's the same principle. Again, it's called an endothermic reacting element. These are patented processes. And many are beginning to wake up to the fact that this winter weather warfare is a core part of climate engineering. It's not just covering the sky with light scattering particles, blocking our sunlight, eliminating our blue skies. They are absolutely engineering these radical temperature swings. While other networks lie to you about what's happening now. Yeah. So this is this is uh, climate warfare mm -hmm. on behalf of China. And that's why we're seeing these these the second Arctic blast that we're having this weekend. Mm -hmm. This was designed, in my opinion, to bring utter cold and shut down the Iowa caucus. And they never sh they didn't shut yeah. it down. Yeah. And this is as this is this is how far these people will go. This is the chemical uh, war chemical climate warfare. Mm -hmm. This is unheard of cold. Missouri doesn't get negative 18 as a temperature. No, it doesn't. That is Alaska weather. And you have, uh, Montana as like basically Florida compared like a 30, I think a 40 degree difference temperature between Missouri. And it was just that that area, it wasn't, it was not a weather front. Right. Okay. And they were bringing in and they wanted this, that we had a really big warm front and we had a ton of rain. Mm -hmm. We had rain, 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 rain. And we had, which would have been about, uh, probably about 15 inches of snow. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. It was so much. If it had been snow. Right. But that warm weather, they wanted, they were bringing down the cold and they brought in that warm weather that, that they brought down. They went overboard with the rain and the cold. Like yeah. that massive amount of cold is unprecedented, record breaking. I'm sure record breaking temperatures in Missouri and Kansas. Yeah. It's got to be record breaking cold. Negative 18. I don't think Missouri's ever seen negative 18, like at all. Like this is a story that, sh that is absolutely huge. And they're doing this around the world. Yeah. All right, so All right. final, 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 final story here. This is uh, Tim Cass talking about our, uh, our Ohio um, bill that was vetoed by the governor and then over, overrode by the House. V veto of bill banning gender-affirming care. So one of the one of the big cultural issues, of course, is the issue around transgender youth, uh, transgender ideology, gender ideology as it pertains to sports. And of course, one of the truths that you have listed is that there are two genders. So many of us were shocked to see that in Ohio, despite the fact that the House passed this bill saying no to child sex changes, yep. the governor tried to veto that. I'm curious your position on this, if you'd like to uh, elaborate and break it down. 
Yeah, I, and it happens to be my home state, actually. Born and raised and live in Ohio now as well. So I was disappointed but not shocked is how I would characterize it based on the governor that we now have in Ohio. I actually spoke to the lieutenant governor. I was sort of a what-the-heck call who I actually have a good relationship with, and turned out that he is also against the position that the governor took. And so the governor of Ohio is, is you know, he's like the equivalent of, you know, it's like a, the Chris Sununu's, the Nikki Haley's, the, you know, Chris Christie's, you could say, of the world. DeWine, the governor of Ohio, just falls into that category. I mean, there's a, there's a brand of people who put a nice little R after their name, but aren't really thinking according to clear principles. They're easily captured. I think in this case, what my understanding was, and I haven't talked to the governor, but I've talked to a lot of people who are familiar with the situation, is that a lot of people are making good money. Mm-hmm. off of some of this gender conversion stuff mm-hmm. and sold a myth that somehow this is going to cause suicides amongst kids and you're going to have blood on your hands. And so what ended up happening was they just got him to veto it. And well, I'll, 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 uh, that was I, the answer. I, I do want to get into your position, but I, I want to address what you just said about the, the, the myth of the suicide. And I'll use, I'll use the numbers that are widely accepted. There's something referred to as desistance. So you're familiar with this concept? Not really. Desistance is not detransition. Detransition is if someone identifies as trans, undergoes what they like to call gender affirming care, and then backtracks. Detransitioning. Desistance okay. is when a child cl- says that they're trans and, uh, and experiences symptoms of gender dysphoria, but, but without any transition, eventually grows out of it. Typically, this happens around puberty. Uh-huh. The accepted rates are between 65 and 95% of young, of young children who experience gender dysphoria will grow out of it, and they call this desistance. That means if we give the most uh, benefit of the doubt we could to the gender ideology argument, 65, around 65% of, of children will desist. Okay. Their argument, however, is it's life-saving to j- transition these children, but suicide rates could be as high as 48%. This means that you are increasing the likelihood of suicide yep. by, by transitioning a child. If, the, if there is a two to one chance the child will desist, do not transition them and then give them a 50% chance of suicide. Well, yes, it is a fact that suicide rates go up after they transition. I cover this extensively on my podcast. I've had detransitioners on my podcast, people that have gone through with the procedure, uh, you know, got the bottom surgery, as they call it, and then woke up one day and realized their entire lives were a lie. And to hear those stories, I mean, it, it's incredible. It's, yes. it's a true evil, and it is being backed by Big Pharma. Uh, there is a lot of money, obviously, with these procedures, the drugs, the puberty blockers that they're putting them on, Lupron, um, and it's a part of a larger problem, something that I'm obviously very passionate about in terms of people not being educated and being sold lies and then going through a very radical route uh, via Big Pharma to to earn money. I don't don't know how far you want to go with this because um, I I see a link to transhumanism. I see a link to eugenics. I see the rise of autism also linked to a lot of this as well. There's a lot of different components that we should really talk about. And I think more importantly, especially when it comes to the kind of chemical biological war against human beings, when you look at uh, male hormones and, and women's hormones, they're being dysregulated. They are being directly attacked. Fertility is being directly attacked by a lot of forces outside of us, how can we address a, a larger that's what right. I see you know, clearly? That is the biggest that's the biggest thing of all. I, I believe that, you know, when they're talking about this is a mental disorder, mm-hmm. they go in and talk about this is a mental disorder, these kids need help. They yeah. do not need us you know, like we said, if, if you felt like you wanted to be in a one-eyed pirate, we're not going to say okay, you're a one-eyed pirate. Yeah, that's good. Right? So I, I appreciate them reaching out on, uh, on that and talking about that. But as far as the record-breaking cold, cold snap shatters records in Kansas City, Seattle, and St. Louis. 
A string of January cold fronts have shattered daily temperature records throughout the Great Plains and Pacific Northwest and threatens to continue setting record lows throughout the week. Uh, though this year's uh, cold uh, so far is a far cry from historic cold snap. So Greenville, South Carolina broke a daily temperature record with a low of one degrees Fahrenheit. Previous record was 12. Wow. Uh, Bellingham, Washington narrowly set a daily record at nine degrees, just one degree, uh, the previous record of 10. A tree of cities broke their daily cold records. Uh, Portland, Oregon uh, notched a minimum of 19 degrees as well as uh, Washington, three degrees. And Rapid City, South Dakota, negative 18 a cold front in the Great Plains and the Pacific Northwest broke uh, records. Uh, Kansas City, um, Missouri at negative 11, yeah. St. Louis at zero, Omaha, Nebraska. Now this was on the 13th. Yeah, at negative um, 15, Missoula, Montana at negative 22, Rapid City, South Dakota at negative 22, Cheyenne, Wyoming at negative 23, and Billings, Montana at negative 26. Daily And then on the 14th, daily records continue to fall in Kansas City to negative 12. Oh and St. Louis at negative 8. Omaha, Nebraska at negative uh, 16. And Wichita, Kansas at negative 4. Topeka, Kansas, negative 9. Fort Worth, Texas, Hang 9. On. Tulsa, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma at negative 2. two. That's intense. That is not something I can tell you ever happened I don't think we got yeah, I think in single we got into digits negatives in Oklahoma a couple mm -hmm. times. We had That's a record-breaking temperature for that day, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think these so. are daily records, Leah. Yeah, I don't think we got. They're into not negative like winter. They're not like records for it's all time. It's been a time. long time since even Ohio saw negative temperatures as a temperature. I don't. I don't still remember seeing them in, in okay. Oklahoma. We got. Well, are you sure those teams. are temperatures or they're not like? Are those highs or are they lows? We those don't are know. the lows. Those okay, are lows thought, yeah. without wind chill. Yeah. Oh wow, this is awesome. So Becky. Of Becky and Tag, where the Oxford, Indiana revival is going to take place February 10th, says that today is their anniversary. Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary to you guys. 11 years. That's huge. Praise God for you guys. Praise the Lord. So if you if you want to wish them a happy anniversary, tell them that you're coming to the revival on the 10th at their place. Awesome. Oxford, Indiana. I wanted Monticello, Kentucky dropped to negative 22 Wednesday morning, oh my gosh. which made the small city just north of the Tennessee border the coldest place in the lower 48. Oh, my gosh. That's weather manipulation. Yes, it is. No way should should anywhere in Kentucky Give be me the coldest break. place in, in the nation at one point. No. Uh, Doesn't happen mm -mm. without some weather manipulation. Wow. All right. That's how do we how do we get enough snow to stop the Iowa caucuses and stop people from coming out? Well, if we do that the entire United States is going to suffer cold climate as a result. And then you can hear them kind of go, well, can we keep it off the coast? Do it anyway. Yeah, but no. I don't know. There's been some cold temperatures out there in California and stuff. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Yes, it was worth it. All right, you guys. It's been a really great show, Leah. Thank you so much. Today's Friday, which means in just two days, we'll be doing our world news program every Sunday, like we do, bringing you the top world news stories that will rivet you, excite you, make you cry, make you care about what's going on everywhere aside from the United States. We're so narcissistic here in America. I mean, I, I kid you not. I don't think that people in Europe or anywhere around the world quite understand just how tunnel-visioned Americans are. We are not taught world America, anything. America, America, Okay? We don't know anything about you guys. Nothing. You know everything about us. It's really sad. Okay? So the best place on the internet Internets. to get Christian conservative world news, bar none, resistancechicks.com. 
Mm. Who cares if we're not exactly punctual on the time? Mm-hmm. But it's usually sometime between 1.30 and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Mom Sunday. Mom says to call Ohio representatives better uh, yet, get on Twitter, overwhelm them with Twitter on this. All Ohio State senators have a Twitter account and very few comments and views overwhelm them. Yes, that's good. And Patriot Gallery's done quite a few blogs, actually, um, this week. I know I watched one yesterday. Which one was it? Let me pull it up here. Um. Trust no one, not even yourself, under spells. You are trusting the wrong voices. That was actually really, really, really good. So um, good job, Mom. So you guys, there's a lot of content. I was on with Corey Gray on Kingdom Roundtable this week at the end. So that was really fun. You can check that out. And, um, of course, Revelation Red Pill. I know things got a little dicey at the end. Keeps it a little exciting. Keep you on edge. You know, but it was a phenomenal episode, really. The separation of church and state should be the separation of state from the church, mm-hmm. right? And you will learn more about that. And because our Brighton segment didn't air today, we did a little kind of offshoot show that we will up- upload separately, but it's right now it's live yes. on Facebook. But uh, we'll upload that separately. So tomorrow, join us tomorrow for a revival. Yes. We're going to do one Rumble. online. Fa- no Facebook. Did we do the last one on Facebook? We did. Yeah, I think All right, so. so on Rumble and on Facebook, revival. We're going to pray through the uh, more cold temperatures, right? It's going to be awesome. Really excited. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Bards FM, a.k.a. Scott Kesterson and his entire crew there will be showing up with, um, what's the, oh my gosh, what's the phrase, phrase that you say when you show up with bells on? Show up with bells on to keep all the uh, crazies away. We love you. God loves you. God bless. We'll see you next time right here from resistancechicks.com. And as always, not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth. Bye, guys. God bless.